Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Sports Dialer. Jones, they're with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by 10-year NFL veteran David Alexander is here as we will get DA's thoughts on the DeMar Hamlin uh, situation and also be talking uh, about the NFL playoff picture, college football playoff national championship game, and also a uh, look from a high school coach's perspective at the transfer portal and how it's affecting high school recruiting. Great chat coming up with DA in just a little while from right now. Also, we have Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. Take our look around the National Football League, and we will also have our top fullery story at the uh, end of the show. First show of 2023. Hope you guys had a great holiday season and a happy new year. And uh, we're pleased to kick off the new year with Coach Bo, who's with us uh, for uh, most of the show today. As uh, Thomas Bridges is uh, out this week, a little bit under the weather. We're uh, thinking of you, Tom, and uh, hope to have Tom back here next week. But uh, in the meantime, Bo, uh, this is not our typical show. I'll just say that right up front. Uh, Very sad circumstances with DeMar Hamlin. Uh, A lot has unfolded here in the last couple of days. And I got to say, you know, just, you know, as, as heartbreaking as that was and such a awful thing that happened Monday night, um, you know, when I look at the positives of it, you know, the spin there, um, my faith in humanity of sorts has been restored the last couple of days. The public response, the donations to his uh, toy drive. You donated, I donated. Uh, you know, I mean, just the outpouring of support. You know, I mean, I, I see Dan Orlovsky, you know, praying on TV the other day, and I don't, I'm not pushing religion on anybody out there by any means, but I thought that was one of the most powerful things I've ever seen on on TV, um, you know, just the the way that people have been there for him, you know, and the entire league from coaches to players to the media, um, the way ESPN covered things, the doctors, the medical staff that was at hand here. Um, this could have been a whole, whole lot worse. And the way that we just as a as fans, as a football community rallied around DeMar Hamlin, um, I mean, that, that, that made me, made me feel a lot better about this situation. And, and the fact that he's had this recovery, it looks like that he's on track to make it out of this is just, just amazed me both. Yeah. Well, first off, happy new year. Thanks for having me in. And, um, yeah, it is a little unusual being here at the beginning, but let's talk about this. Um, I think that you said a lot of great things there. Um, I think you said it, you were on point. I've had some of those same feelings from Monday to now when we're reporting of some of the, of the restoring of our faith in humanity in a way on how the, almost all the messaging is positive. Mm-hmm. It's supporting a young man who through a freak accident in a football game gets seriously injured and frankly could have died in the moment. Um, and to see how, Everything from how it was handled and by the NFL and ESPN in the very beginning to the, the way the doctors have handled things, the way that the media has handled things with not trying to press these issues and trying to, to – we haven't seen a whole lot of 
hate toward football because of this. Um, and then when we have seen a couple of folks who have maybe spoken in a way that's been um, less than sympathetic, we've looked at them and go, what is wrong with you? Right. You know, the Skip Bayless and the Buck Scotts of the world. Right. And even if they said maybe misunderstood, it's still that we are looking at that going, where's your empathy? Right. You know, it does show that we all have empathy for And somebody. even those two individuals are a very small fraction of the. Yes. I mean, it's a big fragment number. of the negativity. And it's the negativity. And that negativity is so small, it's almost just not seen. And I think that's such a positive that we've come together and said, look, this is no one's fault. This sort of thing unfortunately happened. And we just need to get behind this young man and this young player and give him our hopes and our prayers and hope that he comes out of this one alive, two healthy. And also let's talk about what everyone did right here. I mean, there is a, I cannot think of another time where there's been an injury or a scary situation in sports where a large segment has complained. And we haven't seen that. It seems that everybody's handled this really well. Uh, you, you, you can make some criticism to the NFL about how long it took to cancel the game fully. But at the same time, they were going with the information they had. They were making a responsible decision. You know, it wasn't hurrying this thing through and this process through. I thought they did a great job. I thought ESPN, for that being a Monday night football game, and everything they were going through did a phenomenal job. I mean, they don't know what's going on. They don't know how to deal with this. I thought that ESPN could not have handled that with more dignity and class than they did. Um, and I think that that's really great. The other thing to me that was like you, and you mentioned this before too, is the toy drive. You know, I saw that, that pretty quickly after it all happened. And my wife and I made a small donation. And that's what this is about. It's about get everybody, a number of us give a small donation. And to see, it's over $6 million. Is that Almost right? Almost $7 million now. Almost $7 million as we're recording this now. When I first looked at it Monday night, it was $195,000. And I don't want to say... Not a small number either. I mean, yeah. That's just awesome that people came together and gave so much, even what little they could do for this, for this person, for this man, and for this situation. I think it just shows, like you said earlier, a, a positivity of humanity. And I'm so glad we frankly need that. Mm -hmm. I think we've needed that here in America in the United States for a long time. And this is something that we all can personally agree upon, you know? Well, and I think, yeah. And I'll, what I would say too, um, I look at here is, you know, you, you and I, you know, we've, we've made our, our lives around football, even, you know, if if we're not calling games or whatever, I mean, we're watching games, you know. And yeah, sure. It's, it's a big part of our lives, you know, the game is. A big part of our personality and who we are day to day. Personality, yeah. all of that. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, it is a game, right? You know, there are things that are bigger than football. The 
the, the, these guys are humans. You know, the, this is, uh, they have lives out there. They have families just like the rest of us. And I, I was very just happy to see that we could take that step back, that we could care about DeMar, that we didn't need to play the football game that night, that that yeah. could pause, that could wait, that we could make sure that DeMar Hamlin was okay. You know, I, I know the NFL still has a lot to figure out whether they're going to resume this game or not, or when it comes to the playoff picture, you know, stuff like that. I understand, and that affects people too. Sure, absolutely it does. And it affects people's jobs. Uh, you know, there's a lot of moving parts. But none of that is more important than the life of Tamar Hamlin here. None, you know, at the end of the day, that's a it's a game that will all work itself out in some way, shape, or form. The most important thing is that Tamar Hamlin is alive, that he's on the re- road to recovery, and that's that. And I- I'm – I'm very fortunate. You know, we'll we can figure out the football side of things later. Uh the the most important thing is that he's okay. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think that look the NFL's got a lot of things they're going to have to figure out whether it's important to replay this game or not to play this game. That's really on them and they'll figure that out at some point. I don't think there's a right or a wrong answer to this. So what what to do? But what I do think that's the right thing to do is to not try to stop everything in order to get the all the answers done for what's the future. Let's take care of the thing that's most important today, and that's the health of DeMar Hamlin. If we talked about this offline before we came on. Yeah. If this is not an NFL game, it's a college game, if this is – an NBA game, a Major League Baseball game, NASCAR, MLS, soccer, whatever, he dies. He dies right there. The NFL had people on the sideline that were able to give him an AED to go with the paddles right then in there on the field and to do CPR for nine minutes. They saved his life. And I think that it's so important. I mean, to think about it this way. If these people don't save his life, there are people who would never watch another football game because they, they would have watched someone die. Right. And it's harrowing and it's tragic. And I am so glad to see that they had, that the, the NFL had the foresight and to have the people close by to be able to handle that situation, to get this young man to the intensive care unit he needed to get to quickly, and to, in essence, save his life, we're making the assumption he's going to recover from here. Right. We've now heard some things. There have been some positive steps forward. Um, you know, I have a close friend who's 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 a neurosurgeon or a heart surgeon, and I talked to him on Tuesday, and I said, "Hey, what do you think? What do?" And he says he's only seen something like this in sports one time. And it was in South America with a soccer player. Same type of thing. The guy was going up for a header. He gets headed in the chest in the one area that that guy didn't want to get hit in. He got hit, and he went straight down. And in his case, he ended up dying. And it's like 
oh, wow. I mean, that's what can happen. It's just a freak accident. And, you know, I know there was a couple people who were upset with T. Higgins. That was a clean play. Yeah. And, and DeMar Hamlin got right up. It's just the freak accident of him taking a blow that hard in the chest. And we're probably going to find he had some sort of pre-existing condition and probably nothing to be concerned about except for this one sliver of time that it happened to him. And that's not an excuse, but it is an explanation. And hopefully moving forward, you know, this can happen less. We can look at some of these things and help people. But at the same time, this man, our thoughts and prayers need to be with him. And nothing else should matter. Yeah. As far as that game and tiebreakers and playoff seating and all that other bullshit, we can get to that. We'll get there. The, the, the league will figure this thing out. The important part is the health and safety of DeMar Hamlin. Yeah. And, you know, I'll say this as far as that human element goes, too. I, uh, I'll be honest, Bo, I did not know much about DeMar Hamlin before Monday night. Um, I am I'm so pleased whether it was in, in credit to the the media, the way that they put the information out there or social media. You know, there was, there was a lot of good, believe it or not, that came yeah. from the media and social media in the last couple of days. Uh-huh. And I feel like that I got to know the person of DeMar Hamlin the last couple of days and what he's done for those kids, his story of the way that he's given back to his hometown, that he played for – the University of Pittsburgh, when he could have played for a number of schools, but he wanted to represent where he came from. Mike Tomlin, knowing him since he was 12 years old. I, I loved that the story of DeMar Hamlin has been told the last couple of days and that, you know, it it hasn't been a headline of player is hurt and hospitalized, games postponed. It's no, this is the man who DeMar Hamlin is. Let's yeah. pray for him. He's going through this. He is a great young man. This is yeah. his story. I agree with that 100%. I was vaguely familiar with him just based upon having seen him play a few times yeah. um, and knowing that he was the one that replaced Micah Hyde when Micah Hyde got hurt earlier in the year. Yeah. He's actually had a great season. He's one of the top tacklers of his position in the entire league. Uh, you could tell by how he was tackling that play. I mean, he was getting after it. Yeah. But I think what we're going to see, I think that you brought up the social media piece. I think that's really a positive thing is that we talk at length. Everybody, I think, has talked in the last few months, the last few years about how this social media is this negative thing, that it's inflammatory and all this. Boy, this was a situation where it was a positive. Yeah. To get his story, because most people didn't know who he was. Right. I mean, I get. I only vaguely knew who he was from having watched him play. I didn't know most of his story. Right. When I did a little bit of investigating, and then saw the the Twitter on Twitter, I saw his GoFundMe, read it, and was like, "Oh yeah, let's get this out." So when it was shared to me, I shared it and told my wife. She shared it. You know, I was like, if we can all give his jersey number three. If everybody give $3 and they raise money, 
that just says, look at this young man and the impact he had. Or and, and now it's not had, it's has. Yeah. And that's another positive piece to this. Um it, it's it, it, we talk about social media, we talk about the worst of social media. This was the best of social media. Yeah. And this was the best of who we are. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad to see that. And I'm glad to see that there were some positives to this. Because frankly, we're living in a world right now where there's not a lot of positives. And right. to take this positive out of a negative situation, it's pretty big. Yeah, it is. Bo, uh, let's talk football. There will be games that will be played this yeah. week. It looks like things are moving on, that uh, that we're going to have football games. And honestly, I think that, you know, given a few days and – and DeMar's status, I think, actually getting back to football helps the process of getting back to normalcy of sorts. Uh, I, I think football can be a healing tool, uh, in all honesty. Um, and I look at this week, let's start with both the Bengals and the Bills, the Bills in particular. A noon game against New England this week. Um, the Bills, we mentioned, you know, the Things are bigger than football, sure, you know, with, with DeMar Hamlin and all that. But on the football field, this is a team that's sitting at 12-3. and three. They're contending for that number one seed and playing against a New England team here, a division rival. Um, it's it's probably going to be an emotional day Sunday, but I, I would expect this team to to play with some, some energy, some fire of some sorts. I expect the same. I expect Buffalo to – and, and I'm not even talking about on the field. I'm talking about in the stands, in the stadium, in the city. I think we're going to see some something special this week. I think we're going to see people, and I think we'll see it across the league. I think we'll see people in the stands in all games with signs supporting, supporting DeMar Hamlin. But in Buffalo, you know how big the Bills are there and Bills Mafia and all that. I expect it to be very emotional. And I expect it to be a very rough day for the Patriots. Um, there's going to be an emotional high that these guys are going to take on. And it's going to be do it for DeMar. Those yeah. kind of things are going to get said. And as they've learned a little more, and he, I thought, you know, we saw stuff with Stefan Diggs saying, I got to see him. I just got to see him. As they know more now, they don't have to move on. They just have to be able to focus. Right. I expect them to do that, and I think that we're going to see something really special in Buffalo this week. I think so. Cincinnati taking on Baltimore, and, you know, big game for that division there. Cincinnati still has got a shot to be the number one seed potentially in uh, in the AFC, and it's a rivalry game and everything. You know, these are all divisional games this week. Both. Yeah. For, for me here, I am personally rooting for T. Higgins. Um, there have been some jackasses out there that have not been fair to T. Higgins. And he's had a really good year this year. He had a good year last year. Um, I hope T. Higgins has a big day. Uh, I, I I think the Ravens, you know, if they don't have on the football side of things, if Lamar's not back, I don't think the Ravens have a chance in this game. Um, but I'm rooting for T in particular here. Yeah, I am too. I mean, look, I'm rooting for the Bengals. We all know my 
proclivities. I am a Joe Burrow fan, but uh, right. I'm obviously rooting for the Bengals. But and I expect the Bengals to come out and win. I think that these injury things caught up with Baltimore, and they're just not who they were without Lamar Jackson. Um, but you you were spot on with rooting for T Higgins. The people who have been critical of T Higgins, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Excuse my language. That's what it is. Yeah. I mean, they don't run. There's nothing dirty about what happened in that play. And he has to, I mean, think of it. He, it, it's good that, I mean, obviously it's good that, that Hamlin didn't pass away, but imagine what T Higgins would be going through if Hamlin passed away. Right. He's already going to be going through enough emotionally. Right. I think that will be a drawing card for those players in Cincinnati. I, I thought how the Bengals, their staff, and their players handled things on Monday night was also really classy. Even the crowd just staying right there, not moving, total respect. Bengals and Bills fans going to the hospital. Yes. And standing outside. I mean, just look, I'm all for it here. I'm for the Bengals. I think it's important to talk about it with two of those two teams. Um, Bengals, you finally deserve Joe Burrow. They, 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 you know what? They, they've shown some things now. They finally deserve Joe Burrow. Um, I still don't like that owner, but I do like the rest of that team. And they have done something. And I am totally rooting for, for T. Higgins here. I hope that he is able to, whatever sleep he may have lost and whatever heaviness he has in his heart, I hope that he's able to get rid of that once yeah. and for all and sooner than later. Because in my view, he did nothing wrong. Right. Nothing to be ashamed. The, uh, the Saturday games, uh, starting with the uh, Chiefs and Raiders, I know the Raiders have been a hot mess, but they gave the 49ers a scare last week. Jared Stidham played really good. The Chiefs play everybody close here. Um, this is not a given that Kansas City wins this game uh, on, on Saturday, is it, Bo? I, I, I do think the Chiefs are going to win. But I think you said it. They haven't beaten the team up in two months. And there's not talking tape to them. We were saying something two weeks ago on my podcast about the Chiefs. And I, here was the point I made. They lost to Buffalo. They lost to the Bengals. Tell me the Chiefs' best win. It's the 49ers. It's the 49ers like week five. And they looked impressive in that game. They looked extremely impressive. But that's also the 49ers without Bosa. The first week of Garoppolo and no McCaffrey. It ain't no. the same team you have to play now. No, McCaffrey played that game. It, no, he didn't. Yes, he, he did. That out. was it was his first game. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, you guys they had him two days. That's right. They had him two days. But you look at that and you go, well, it's a different animal. Right. And I'm not saying that I think the quality matters of your wins just to give you the confidence. But I also think that. It shows me, and it also shows me they haven't covered a spread in two months. I think it's been seven weeks since they covered a spread. Good teams win, great teams cover. And and I don't think that covering is important per se. But what I do think it means when you're the better team and you're the favorite every single week, it means that if you're not covering once in a while, it means you're probably not as good as people think you are. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to see a switch go off with the Chiefs in the playoffs. They're likely to get the number one seed now because we're hearing some things about what may or may not happen with that Buffalo-Cincinnati game. That game's not played 
the Chiefs will become the number one seed with a win over the Raiders. Right. Um, but it's just one of those things where you go, man, they, they got to play both those teams. Yeah. Theoretically, you're going to have to play. If you're the Chiefs, you're going to have to beat Buffalo and Cincinnati. Right. Now, all three of them will have to beat two of them, most likely. Yeah. And the Chiefs are the one team that hasn't beaten either of them. And frankly, the Bengals have owned them. Right. I I think the Chiefs will beat the Raiders. I think they will get the number one seed. But I do think that in the end, they're going to have to come up a notch, both offensively and defensively. They're going to have to be more consistent. Yeah. And I I have some question marks. Now, I'm not saying I think they're a bad team. Look, right. they're 13-3 and three for a reason. They're good. I don't think that they're any worse than Buffalo and Cincinnati, but I don't think they're aggressively better. Yeah. So it, it'll be interesting. But they got to look out. The Raiders team beat them last year in this same situation. Right. And the Raiders, look, they got nothing to lose. I don't expect the Raiders to be good, but the Chiefs have been markedly mediocre in the last month. Yeah. I agree to that. Um, going through the rest of these games here real quick. Yeah. Uh, some of the big playoff implication games. Yeah, Titans and Jags also on Saturday night. Historically speaking, these two teams, I think, meet about every year in Thursday night football, and it's always the game we dread. Now this is, like, actually interesting somewhat. Hold the phone. Yeah. The Titans have been awful the last month. Jags yeah. have been really good the last several weeks here. Bo, I like the Jags in this game, not to play spoiler to picks for later, but um, I would say watch out for Jacksonville. I don't think they can make a deep playoff run, but if they win this game slide in that four seed and they're playing, I would guess, what, the Ravens or the Chargers? I mean, I think they probably get out of the wild card round more than likely if they continue to play like they've been playing. Trevor Lawrence is figured things out. He's played the best football of his career right now. This team's no slouch. Yeah, since their five-game losing streak, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they've gone six and six and two, including four in a row. In those last four, they've beaten the Titans, the Cowboys, the Jets at the Jets, which the Jets have a good defense, and the Texans last week. But for the last, other than that Jets game, they've scored – 27 or more points every game in those eight games. And they've gone over 40 twice. They've gone over 30 twice. This team can score points. And Doug Peterson's got this team moving. They're not a great team, but they score a lot of points. They can be a trouble team. I, I see where you're going. They could be a trouble team in the first round for somebody. Yes. You know, whether it's whether it's the Bengals or the Ravens. They'll get a home game the if they win this. Yeah. I mean, and, and they're going to be the division winner if they beat the Titans, which I expect them to do. Um, I mean, Trevor Lawrence has played great. That offense is chucking. Yeah. And they stay in games. Yeah. Jets and Dolphins. Uh, Jets are already eliminated. Dolphins, though, what a horrible month. They're down a couple quarterbacks here. 
Um, there was all this talk so much about the Dolphins, how excited they were with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell and Tua, and it has come to a screeching halt and just been a terrible month uh, the last few weeks. Bo, what the hell happened to the Dolphins? This is a streaky team. They started out 3-0, and then they lost three, then they won five, and they've lost five. Part of it is they had a killer schedule at the, be- at the beginning of this five-game losing streak. Back-to-back West Coast games against the 49ers and at the Chargers. Then you go to Buffalo, which ended up being a snow game in the fourth quarter, which they absolutely outplayed Buffalo until the snow came down. Right. And then they lost that game because Josh Allen took nine minutes in the last possession, got a touchdown and wins the game. Then you get Packers. All of a sudden, Aaron Rodgers woke up in the last month and figured out he's Aaron Rodgers. Right. And then the Patriots nip them last week. They just had all the injury pieces on that. It's it's a talented team. And, you know, we talked about the Dolphins at the beginning of the season. We said the biggest thing they had to figure out this season was, is Tua going to be their franchise quarterback? And now we've seen him get three concussions. I at least say it's two, but he's had three. Um, you know, let's be honest. He had a concussion in that first one. That's no neck. There's no neck injury. Um, but I look at this and I go, do they know? They've got questions going to the offseason now. And they didn't hope to have that question. Tua played great in portions of this season. And then you got the, the issue with him being him being injured. Um it, it's just unbelievable. Now they've Teddy Bridgewater's hurt as well. So uh did I see right that Skylar Thompson is gonna be starting this game, or is Teddy Bridgewater starting this game? Uh it sounds like Skylar Thompson's gonna start and Mike Glennon's gonna be the backup. Oh man. Good luck. Man. Yeah, I mean exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just a, t- it's a tough They're just record. lucky. They just happened to luck out. They're playing a team that only scored six points last week. Yeah. This will be a bad game. And if even if they win, they're not going to get in the playoffs now, the Dolphins. It's just it's a shame what happened over that last five weeks. You know, I would have loved to see Tua not get hurt because they didn't get blown out, except by the 49ers. They didn't get blown out in any of those games. They were close in every one of them. Yeah. They were close in every loss this season, except for the loss against the Jets. Right. And it's like, man, that they're a better team than people think. Yeah. It's just they're, you know, that's also their, you know, their first year, new coach, new quarterback. But I like what they've done. Yeah. Uh, a couple more of these uh, games, playoff implications. Browns and Steelers. Steelers at 8-8. Eight and eight. They're playing a lot better lately. And Kenny Pickett is coming along very nicely the last few weeks. Bo, you couldn't have said this the first half of the year, but I think you could say this now. Kenny Pickett, I think, looks better right now than Big Ben did at this time last year. This time last year? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I I think Kenny Pickett makes very few mistakes. Um, I think he is someone who... And that's something he improved. He did look rough beginning. Yeah, and he, I mean that that part of that is just the speed of the league and getting caught up with that. I mean, it's this league is fast, especially if you're at the quarterback position. you got to make decisions faster than you've ever made them, get the ball out of your hands faster than you've ever made them, checks the line faster than you've ever had to make them. It's amazing what you have to do at a quarterback to go from being a rookie to the end of your first year. Um, Kenny Pickett is 
uh, has been a good ball player. He's done well. I watched the game this past week. I thought he played fairly well. I don't think he is the, the difference. He is not an upper echelon quarterback. He does not have a huge upside. Yeah. But I also think his decision making is really good. And he has an adequate arm. Adequate. He has a good arm. And he's somewhat athletic. He's not going to be running out there like Lamar Jackson. But I think he can keep you in games. He's not going to lose a lot of games for you. He may not win you a lot of them, but he's not going to lose a lot. Right. Physically, he reminds me a lot of Drew Brees. I'm not saying he's going to have Drew Brees' success. I'm not saying any of that. But physical tools-wise, when I look at Kenny Pickett, I think of Drew Brees. Yeah. And credit Mike Tomlin for this team being eight. Oh, is this Mike Tomlin's best job as a head coach in the NFL? I think so. I really – this was not a good team eight weeks ago. No. And they're a good team right now. Like, I knew they were going to win last week. And I think they'll win this week. Yeah. And I, I, I like – and he's the hell of a coach. They get I this done as Mike Tomlin keeps the streak of never having a losing season. I also will say this. This may be a little controversial. Mike Tomlin is the best coach in the history of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Better than Chuck Knoll? Yeah. Chuck Knoll had Hall of Famers at damn near every position. I mean, you still got to coach him. Yeah, but if you got that much talent, it's hard to lose. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm i not going to argue with four Super Bowls, but Mike Tomlin's done a good job for sure. He, I, I, I think the role of Mike Tomlin. And this season's convinced me how great a coach he is. Uh, Chargers and Broncos, uh, not, we won't spend much time on that, but Broncos been a mess all year. Chargers starting to get hot. Um, that if anyone is going to, you know, compete with the Bengals chiefs or bills, that's the team. I think both. Yeah. I think that you look at the Chargers, they're getting healthy at the right time. All the guys they lost earlier in the year, they're all getting healthy. And they can stay in the game with just about anybody. Someone's going to lose a game early in the playoffs in the AFC, and we're all going to be shocked by it. Whether it's the Chargers or the Jags that beat them, one of those two teams may win a playoff game. Yeah, Justin Herbert's playing great. That team has gotten better. Austin Eckler's healthy. They've got all the receivers are coming back. Um, The defensive players they've lost have all come back. I mean, it's – the Chargers are going to be a tough out for anybody moving forward. Yeah. They are they are playing right now like we thought they were going to be at the beginning of the season. It's just all those injuries happened all at once in like a one-month period. Philadelphia, they're at 13-3. and three. The Giants are going to sit their starters uh, as they're already locked in as that five seed, and the Eagles are going to be heavy favorites. Both – I like actually this situation for Philly because you should be able to beat the JV team of the Giants um, just fine. And you get Jalen back this week, kind of tune things up, make sure everything's all aligned, and then take that week off and go into the playoffs as the one seed. I I, I like how this sets up for, for Philadelphia to get a game under them with Jalen coming back before they have that week off. Yeah, I think if they can get Jalen Hurts, even if it's for a half, just don't do a lot of your read option stuff. Don't let him run the ball too much. But if they have a pretty strong lead late in this game, get him out the game, 
Um, but I did, I agree with you on that because I do think that it's important for him to get a feel for the speed of the game again before the playoffs. Um, I was not going to be a big fan of him missing those three games. Yeah. Um, I do think that it's important, even if he only plays a half. I mean, I really think that there's a chance they could be up 20 at the half in this game by not even really having to try that hard. This is going to be like I said, you said the, the Giants JV team, they can't move up or down in the playoffs. Right. They can't move out or up. So um, they might as well stay healthy, keep this as a bye week, basically. And the Eagles, I mean, they're playing for the one seed. They've got to win it to get to continue the one seed. The right. Cowboys could catch them. But I think it's more important to put Jalen on the field in this game than it has been for the last two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Cardinals and uh, 49ers, uh, real quick on that. 49ers, the way they've played, they're still trying to get home field. It's at the same time as the Eagles-Giants game, so it's not a situation of where – they can sit because the Eagles Giants was earlier or anything like that. Yeah. Um, with that said, uh, the 49ers, um, no reason why they shouldn't just manhandled Arizona here. Cliff Kingsbury gets left on the tarmac, right? Yeah, this is Cliff Kingsbury's last game. We, I think we all know this. I think he's yeah. a Black Monday uh, casualty. Uh, there's already talk about Sean Payton and some things going on there and We've heard some extravagant numbers already being thrown out. Um, yeah, I, I think this is everybody's going to have their cars warm when they get back to the they get back to the facility in Arizona, and it's going to be one, two, three. Everybody's going to be in a huddle going one, two, three, Cancun. I mean, ready to go to <laughs> ready to go to Mexico, go on vacation, whatever it is. This is going to be an ass kicking of a game, and the 49ers are just going to run the Arizona Cardinals over. Yeah, uh, Rams and Seahawks. Uh, Seahawks have to win. And the Packers have to lose for them to make the postseason. Rams have played a lot better with Baker Mayfield here. Seattle at home, must-win scenario. Seattle, I mean, up until last week, they were in a slump, not playing great football. We've seen them win a lot of close games this year. Rivalry game and everything. And the Rams, they've been eliminated for weeks, and Baker and company still haven't backed down here. I expect this to still be a good football game here, Bo. I completely disagree. You think Seattle's going to kill him? I think Seattle's going to just punch him in the mouth. Um, I think the Rams are going to get railed in this game. They got beat up last week by the Chargers. I expect the same kind of performance this week. They know that they're in a lot of flux going on. Baker Mayfield's not going to be the quarterback there next season. He might be the backup quarterback, but he ain't the starting quarterback. They don't know if Sean McVay is coming back as the coach or not. There's a lot going on, and there may be some one, two, three Cancun in the huddle for the for the for the Rams as well. Seahawks need the game. I expect they're gonna win it, especially at Seattle. Yeah, give me Seattle here. I I don't think this game is gonna be competitive. Uh, Cowboys take on the Commanders. It has been a mess for the Commanders. Must win game last week. They start Carson Wentz. They lose. You deserve to lose when you start Carson Wentz. Yep. And then they name Heineke the starter this week. And then Heineke says, no, 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 no. Uh, we need to, you know, switch this out. And, uh, you know, they're going to make another change now, uh, this uh, commander's team is, on their quarterback situation. I mean, what, what just a mess. I mean, uh, 
Bo Ron Rivera didn't even know that they were elim- that they could be eliminated last week and everything that's gone down there. I- I'm I'm never confident about the Cowboys in January, but the Cam Anders are so incompetent, and Ron Rivera might actually be costing himself his job here too. I you know one month ago I was applauding Ron Rivera. You know, I was like, hey, they've won six out of seven. They've shut the doors, and whatever's happening outside, they're not worried about it. They've gone 0-3-1 since. They tied the Giants, and they had the bye week, and they lost to the Giants, lost to the 49ers in a game they didn't even look competitive in. Then they lose to the Browns last week, and they looked horrible. I mean, yes, if Carson Wentz is your quarterback, you don't deserve to be out. You shouldn't even be playing. I mean, I guess you got to figure out what you got with Sam Howe. Um, but the Cowboys are also on a mission. I think that team is really talented in Dallas. And I think this commander's team is just a disaster. They don't have a quarterback. They may not have a coach. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. I think Ron Rivera is a good coach. And again, one month ago, I was going, wow, what a great job. And then this month, he has completely... Shit the bed. Yeah. That's what that if you took the star away from Dallas, if their team name was instead of the Cowboys, the I don't know, the Cougars. Um we'd be looking at that say that's a team that could win the Super Bowl. But until they can win a playoff game, win playoff games and get there, I'm not I'm not saying this is the year for Dallas. I mean, that looks like it on paper, but I need to see it. For the last six weeks, I've been saying the one team I don't want to play in a one-game scenario is the Dallas Cowboys. But I've prefaced it by saying I don't trust Mike McCarthy either. <laughs> I, I just – when they're on, they're really good. Yeah. And when they're not on, they're not very good at all. And it comes down to a situation where a couple of coaching decisions make a decision make it make a difference – Mike McCarthy will mess things up. Um, yeah. I I want to say that I like the Cowboys to go deep. I just don't know that they – I think what you're saying, it's kind of like they're going to make the mistake. We know it's coming. Right. Where is it coming from? Last uh, game with playoff implications, uh, Lions and Packers. Um, Lions offense has been awesome. I think if this game's a shootout bowl – the Lions probably win in a shootout. They have a better offense than Green Bay right now. But Aaron Rodgers, Lambeau Field, must-win game in prime time. That's a tall task. <laughs> and the Lions actually might even be eliminated by the time this game kicks off, which yeah. actually I don't, I'm don't. i not worried about that for Detroit. I think Dan Campbell is going to go out trying, you know. I mean, he, he's yeah. gonna, they're still going to play hard for him. But, I mean, that's a tall task at hand to try to beat Rodgers and Lambeau in a must-win. The fighting Dan Campbells are so much fun. They are a fun team to watch. They play hard. Those guys, there is not a single player on that field who is not given everything they got on every play. I love what Dan Campbell has done in Detroit. If they just don't slip up two weeks ago against the Panthers, they're a playoff team. And I, I predicted when they were right before that, I was like, they're going to win the last three and they're going to get in the playoffs. 
and they lose to the Panthers. And I was like, damn it. Now they got the tall order. You're right. They got to go beat Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay in Green Bay in January. It's a tall order. And Aaron Rodgers woke up the last three weeks and realized he's Aaron Rodgers. So it'll be, a, I think it'll be a fun game to watch. I'm rooting for the fighting Dan Campbells, though. As much as I've always liked Aaron Rodgers, I'd say he's the most skilled quarterback I've ever seen. I'm rooting hard for the Lions in this game on Sunday yeah. night. Our Big 12 breakdown this week is TCU focused and also just a, a look at the, the national championship game as uh, we'll get to that. We'll get to uh, David Alexander coming up in just a bit. But, Bo, uh, just kind of looking back at the semifinals first that, that set up this national title game, TCU uh, held off a Michigan team that would not give up. Uh, TCU wins in a shootout. That was an exciting game right down to the very end. They got off to a good start just when Michigan wasn't coming back. TCU, when they were coming back, TCU punched back here. Um, I was I was very impressed uh, with TCU and also how they responded coming off that Big 12 title game loss here. I think between TCU this year and then Georgia last year, and I tweeted about this too, that there's something to be said, Bo, I think, about coming off a conference title game that's your first loss, having a month to evaluate your weaknesses being exposed and then responding to them. I was very impressed with that TCU team. They looked like a different team than when we saw them last in the Big 12 title game. Huge win there over Michigan. Yeah, they forced Michigan three times inside the five to not score. Absolutely unheard of. I mean, Michigan should have just run over TCU. They were in the place to do it. I mean, three times in the first half, Michigan is first in goal inside the five and didn't score. And for Michigan, that's just indefensible. Yeah. I mean, you put two of those in, you win the game. And TCU kept hitting Michigan with haymakers and kept hitting them. And then Michigan would do a couple things. And it was like, okay, here's who they are. And we knew that Michigan was not set up for a shootout. Michigan was a run the ball, especially in the second half, control the clock, and beat you physically with the offensive line they have. Michigan's defense has not played that bad all season. Yeah, Maybe not in the last two seasons. And TCU, I mean, sometimes it was like a wizard was back there. There's a couple times where I saw plays that Max Dugan made where I was like, okay, he stopped. How did he get rid of that ball? I mean, it was like, he stopped. Nope, nope. He got rid of the ball, 10-yard game, first down. Like, what is going on? I mean, Michigan – got outplayed by TCU in that game. And there's any doubt they got outplayed and they blew every opportunity to get back in the game. TCU played about as well as you can play. You know when you play TCU, they're going to let you're going to you're going to score 35 points and they're going to score 35 points. Right. It's a matter of who scores the most in the end. Right. TCU is now running into the best defense in the country, the best team in the country. Let's see what happens. But hats off to TCU to go right. all the way to the national championship game 
and they do have a puncher's chance in this game. Yeah. Because they can score points. Well, and on the other side, the flip side for that Georgia-Ohio State game that happened, you know, I, I know some people are going to read into it and say, wow, you know, Ohio State should have won that game. They were a field goal away whatnot. And, and you can make that argument, sure, but, I mean, credit to Georgia for going toe-to-toe with Ohio State when it clearly wasn't their best day defensively. Um, probably their worst defensive outing of the year, quite frankly, and yet still finding a way to win. Stetson Bennett, the way he played in that second half. Um, you know, here, here's a guy, Stetson Bennett, Bo, that has been doubted time and time again, even when he won a national championship, come back this year and like, well, there's only so much he could do. And th- this guy, there's something about Stetson Bennett in these big-time moments. He might not have all the skill sets. But he, he's he got the clutch gene. I mean, he's got that. He can – the moment has never been too big for Stetson Bennett, and that was the case once again in that semifinal. I agree. Um, Georgia's defense has not played as bad as they did in the game against Ohio State in the last three years. Yeah. Ohio State's the team that, if you recall, we've talked a lot about Ohio State this year. You liked I thought them they a lot were the, before they I were liked them a lot. I mean, they were the best team in the country for half the season. And then I thought, well, him and Georgia are the two best. And I really thought the winner of that game was going to win this championship. Um, that game was closer than I thought it was going to be. I thought Georgia was going to win it. But Ohio State looked like the Ohio State in that game. I think that's going to also remind Georgia of what they're going to have to do against TCU. I think that it would have been better for TCU if Georgia had blown Ohio State out. The fact that that game was close and that Georgia had to score at the end and then hold Ohio State, and then Ohio State had to miss a kick that should have been made, um, it's pretty crazy. And at the same time, it's that's what college football is. It's just it comes down to it at the end sometimes. I expect that, you know, we've talked, and I think we're going to pick this game, but this should be a really competitive national championship game. Yes. And it's not all the same teams. We know everybody complains about Alabama being there every year. And granted, Georgia's now been there like three of the last five. Yeah. But, you know, look, they might be the new team. They they might be the most dominant program in the country now. I think, and, yeah, well, so. Here's what I wonder uh, as far as the TCU thing goes. Sonny yeah. Dykes has done the best coaching job in the country. First-year coach. I agree. Taking over a five-win team, getting the national championship game. There's no precedent for that either. You know, I mean, just really remarkable job. As good as Sonny's done, I wonder when does this team kind of cap off and max out? I mean, Georgia has been getting the same talent as Alabama has. I mean, it was one thing for TCU to get past Oklahoma, Texas, Baylor, Oklahoma State, even K-State, um, Michigan. But but Georgia, I mean, just just talent level-wise, I mean, that's, that's still a big gap, isn't it? Or am I reading too much into that? No, it definitely is a big gap. I mean, it's it, it goes to show the job Sonny Dykes has done this year. He's done an incredible job. Yeah. Um, Max Duggan, quarterback, he was the Heisman runner-up. I mean, that was – I mean, who would have bet that at the beginning of the year? Right. 
I mean, he's been fantastic and he's a fantastic player. And I think that we're going to see a competitive game here. You've got you know, a couple of weeks. They had a, they have about a week and a half to get everything planted and ready. Um, in the end, Georgia's athleticism is going to show and they're going to be a better team. But you know what the difference also could be? If you look at from TCU side, we talk about all these five-star recruits. And where is there not a five-star recruit? And that's the quarterback. Yeah. What will TCU do defensively? Will they show a lot of different looks? Will they take it to a different situation and and that kind of thing to make it harder on Stetson Bennett? What's helped Stetson Bennett, frankly, these two last two seasons has been that superior run game. And if there's athletes, throw it close and some of these receivers are going to catch the ball. Right. Um, Georgia's tight end is a monster. I, I wish I could think of his name off the top of my head right now. Brock Bowles. I mean, he yes. I mean, he's like he's like having a college version of Gronkowski out there. Right. He throws the ball close to him, he catches it with his hands. I mean, a trained seal playing playing tight end. Um I think that helps, but I think if I was TCU, I would come at him with everything I could. I would come up with every exotic blitz I could think of. I'd mix it up. I'd bring five. I'd bring six. I'd force him to get rid of the ball as quickly as possible, as much as possible. Yeah. And force him into a couple mistakes. Because it's the one area where while he's heralded, he's not – the most athletic player in his position. Right. In a situation where if you're going to leave it up to some athleticism, let me exploit the one place you don't have it. And that's the quarterback position. Right. So, I mean, that's, but Stetson Bennett's proved us wrong. Right. Plenty of times. I, I, I do think the TCU's got a, they got a shooter's mentality and they've got a, as you'd say in basketball, and they, they're going to keep coming. It'll be a fun – I think it's going to be a fun game. Big picture, uh, real quick, and then uh, we'll move on here. Uh, we're going to pick this game coming up later in our pick segment. Big picture at uh, for both these schools. I think for TCU, with Oklahoma and Texas on the way out, they have a chance to be the marquee program of the new Big 12. Mm-hmm. I mean, people were excited about Cincinnati, but then Luke Fickle's gone. That's kind of like they've hit the reset button. Um Oklahoma State has fallen off with Mike Gundy the last couple of years. Dave Aranda had a down year at Baylor. This is TCU's league to take for the foreseeable future, and I think they're only going to get better talent-wise from here. Sonny Dykes has already proven uh, what he can do in the recruiting trail. And then, uh, and I also think it was so huge for the future of the Big 12 to get that playoff win for the first-ever Big 12 playoff win it wasn't Oklahoma. It wasn't Texas. It wasn't Oklahoma State. It wasn't even Baylor. It was TCU. To me, I thought that was huge for the future of this league that a non-Big 12 champion won its first ever playoff game in this league. Big future of the Big 12 is going to be fine. In Georgia's yeah. case, as you mentioned earlier, Bo, Alabama, they're still great. But you win this, um, the rest of the college football world runs through Athens, Georgia, and they're – they're top dog, literally top dog uh, for the new kings of college football, I think, going forward. Yeah. Well, I look at it a couple ways here. Let's go TCU first. 
I think that the the new Big 12, no Oklahoma, no Texas, there has to be a lead dog. There has to be this one elite. Every conference has the elite program. The standard bearer, the one that you either aspire to be or you compare yourself to. And I think that TCU is, with this situation now, the most likely flag bearer of the Big 12. I think the other one is Kansas State. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been consistently good for a couple of years now, and what they're doing moving forward looks great too. So I think you'll see those two rise to the level, but there has to be one. There has to be one when it's all said and done. And I, I TCU has something. Look, Sonny Dykes is a good coach. Yeah, I've been aware of Sonny Dykes' days at Louisiana Tech. He was a good recruiter there. Um, he was good, good, decent recruiter. Cal. He was. He's. He can recruit. He's not going to line up with a whole bunch of five star guys, but he's going to find the guys that are going to fit his system. Right. And he's going to get some talent at TCU that he couldn't get get at SMU or at Cal or at uh, La Tech. So they could be the sleeping giant. There's a couple of them there, but they seem to have the advantage no one else has right now. And that you're right. They won a playoff game. They were a really great team this past year, and it doesn't look like they're going to take a huge step down next year. Right. The Georgia side is interesting. Georgia's either had the one, two, or three recruiting class in the country. Depends on what you look at. There's three or four different sites you can look at, but they get competitive players at every position. They They are the new Alabama. Kirby Smart has taken the playbook that Nick Saban did it at Alabama, and he's done it at Georgia. He's but he's the best of all of Nick Saban's coaches, all assistant coaches, and they just keep reloading. We were talking at the beginning of the season. How good is this Georgia team going to be? I thought, well, they'd be good. We thought Bama would be better, and I said because they just lost seven starters to the NFL. This defense has been damn near as good as last year. Yeah. That's what seven guys going to the NFL. Yeah. And they're yeah. still recruiting at a high level. Right. Now you've got, you know, Texas and Oklahoma coming to the SEC. There's going to be the haves and the have nots. There's going to be five or six at the top, but Georgia is never going to not be competitive under Kirby Smart. And they are never going to be at a distinct disadvantage in recruiting. Yeah. It's amazing because, you know, when uh, they fired Mark Rick, people turned some heads like, how could you fire a 10-win coach? And and they bring in Kirby, and it was, okay, that's how you can fire a 10-win coach. And it was like, all right, so they're going to be a contender. You know, they're going to be a contender for the playoff every year. And now it's even a step beyond that. It's, no, they're a – they are the team. And it's uh, been quite the – rise to what Georgia has done uh, here in the last few years. Uh, David Alexander is going to join us, uh, more college football, NFL discussion. Um, and uh, we'll also get his perspective on DeMar Hamler, uh, DeMar Hamlin, and uh, also uh, his connections to Dennis Bird. All that and more coming up when he joins us on the other side. Stay with us. Joining us now with Joe's Port this week, great friend of the show, David Alexander, 10-year NFL veteran, also uh, from the University of Tulsa and uh, one of the best uh, high school coaches, I think, around. And uh, he joins us right now. And 
And uh, DA, always a pleasure to talk to you uh, anytime we get the chance. And uh, obviously a big week with the college football national championship playoffs are a week away, but right. with uh, what happened with DeMar Hamlin, I figured you, this would be an interesting time to bring you on with your connections to Dennis bird sure. in that situation. Sure. I just kind of want to start there. What was first with, with DeMar Hamlin, what was your re- initial reaction to everything that, that went down and seeing the game shut down like that? I've never seen anything like that before. No, no. You know, we, none of us have seen anything like that, even though with all, Injuries that happen every year, every game, um, every season. This was completely different. And then it was just like you, Tyler. I'm a big football fan. I was getting nestled into my couch, right? I was expecting, um, you know, this was not only a big game for that, for this week, but it was one of the biggest games on the schedule for the whole season for the NFL, right? Two great right. teams and ready to settle down there. And, and then, but as soon as uh, DeMar fell down, you could tell it was something different, right? But just because of the way everybody around him started acting, um, and it just kept escalating in the news of you know CPR on the field, and uh, I, you know, they obviously did the right thing. Um, and my biggest takeaway from them doing that, it, it no one's going to completely admit it, even though they kind of talked about it during the game. Uh, so proud of those two head football coaches. Yeah. You know, understanding, you know, you got two big hats. You know, you're a, you're a leader of men, but you're getting paid a lot of money to win football games. And, you know, them putting their players, uh, the, both those coaches putting their players ahead of the football game uh, took a lot of courage, and it's going to win them a lot of respect in the locker room with their players. And so – Kind of with, with Dennis Bird, that was the thing that a lot of people were going back to. They hadn't really seen anything since uh, Dennis's situation uh, when he was in the right. league. And, uh, I mean, ultimately, that ended his career. Uh, right. Take me back to that. How how similar were the two to each other and, and what went well, down? Yeah, you know, I, I played with Dennis at Tulsa. Um, and, you know, the internet wasn't obviously around back then but so we were playing we were playing at the same time as the Jets were playing that day um but immediately as soon as we got to the locker room you know that was the news everybody was talking about Dennis 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 and it hit pretty uh pretty close to home obviously really quickly uh, but then when I saw my wife uh outside the locker room after I'd gotten dressed you know and she was pretty distraught and, and everybody was talking about it that's when um, you know, the human side came into it. You know, it wasn't just Dennis Bird in a New York Jets uniform, right? It was an old college teammate. Um, we knew his wife, you know, we had we'd been around them for years. Um, obviously he was a couple he was a couple years younger than me. So watching him explode in, you know, his career, he was just really taking off, starting to make a name for himself in the NFL. So it was uh it's shocking because as as NFL football players. You can't play the game unless you don't see yourself as 10 foot tall and bulletproof, right? You've got to go out on that football field and you know the risks and everybody does, but you know, you have to put that in a little box in the back of your mind and say, that's not going to happen to me. Right. I'm, I'm too big. I'm too tough. I'm too fast. You know, they can't catch me, you know, kind of an attitude. Um, So when, when as a player, you see something, like that it's it is a little bit humbling a little bit shocking yeah and with what went down uh this 
this scenario, you know, as, as a player, I mean, this is ultimately what we all fear is for something sure. awful to happen. Um, but I, I feel like, David, I, I, I didn't play the game the level you did, obviously, but it, it almost feels like we become numb to these situations that we almost forget they can happen. Well, and because, you know, NFL players are larger than life. They're on TV. We all see their faces. You know, um, we see him, you know, uh, do extraordinary things. You know, we're watching Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelty, Kelsey. You know, we're watching them do things that we, at times we don't think are human. And so, but then, you know, when someone gets hurt like this, when there's a catastrophic injury, and I'm not even talking death, I'm just talking about a career-ending injury, you know, it does hit home, right? These are frail human bodies that really aren't made to, to run into each other at those speeds and do the things that we do. Um, and that's why there's, you know, there's only so many of them that get to play and there's only 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. And, you know, that's why they make all that money. Um, and, and, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you this, Tyler. Um, I haven't heard one ex NFL player say they would do anything different. I mean, I know I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't change one day. I wouldn't take away one NFL start. Um, from it to give up any of the injuries that I, that I had, you know, obviously none of them were, you know, they were accumulative and they ended my career, but none of them were catastrophic at, at one point. Uh, T Higgins, who was the wide receiver on that play, getting some unfair criticism. Uh, uh, I mean, just a freak accident. He, he didn't do anything yeah. wrong, right? No, it's just football play. It's just football play. And, you know, yeah. and I've watched that play 25 times and I don't even see that it's, you know, that, big of a hit um Demar's hit people and he's been hit many many times in his life harder than that uh it was the right place at the right you know or the wrong place at the wrong time the wrong moment you know uh, everything just uh came together in one freakish moment and you know he's lucky uh, we're all lucky that you know he was the how well-trained the Buffalo Bills training staff was. I mean, I know he's got still got a long way to go, but, you know, we could have had uh, a moment there on the football field that no one ever wants to talk about. Right. Well, and, and that's one thing. I, I was just taking two steps back. The, the way that there was the response from the Bengals medical staff, the Bills medical staff, all coming together uh, through this, was uh was pretty pretty remarkable uh you know the the way that they acted as quickly as they did there oh man tyler it it was remarkable um now those training staffs you know they're not just you know student trainers right they are all highly skilled highly um qualified and they practice just as hard as as the players do on their craft uh it's amazing you know, the NFL has gotten, has always gotten that part right. You know, there's some things that they've had to grow into um, as far as player relationships. They've always gotten that right. Um, even when I played, there were, you know, there were one trainer for every three football players. And so there were eyes all the time on players watching for signs of heat or watching signs of injury or whatever, you know, and, so they've done a they they've always done a good job doing that. Um, yeah. Because you know, football players, you know, you got to have the football players to play the games and so they're going to take care of them.
Yeah. Um, as a coach, and I mean, we mentioned you work, uh, you know, with high school kids and, and everything. You've been doing this a long time now. Um, how are those conversations with, with parents and families when you have those tough injuries? I imagine that they can't be easy. No, uh, that's the dealing with high school players and, and with an injury, those are, they're, they're always heartbreaking, right? But NFL players are getting compensated, right? Yeah. And even college football players, even, you know, before NIL, were getting compensated with a scholarship. So they got hurt. Right. They were they still had something. They had an asset. Right. They had right. You know, the opportunity to go get a college degree. You know, when a high school football player gets injured, um, man, it is it is heartbreaking for that young man. That You know, being 16, 17, 18 years old. I, I still remember back that when I was that age, you know, you, you don't look very far in the future. Right. You're only looking a week or two weeks ahead of head and they can't see that you know, six, six months from now, they're going to be perfectly fine. And so those are very difficult. They're not difficult conversations to have. They're just difficult emotionally mm-hmm. between the coaches and players that get hurt in the high school. And then, and then parents, you know, the parents, they love their babies and they're, yeah. they're still seeing high school students as, you know, they're little, they're little babies out there playing football. All right. Um, and, uh, we mentioned with your NFL career and everything, um, most people might not know. I mean, that that health insurance from your NFL years, that, that doesn't last too long. No, it doesn't. They've done – the NFL has done some things here recently to try to help. But, yeah, your your insurance runs out. Um, when I played, it was one year after you got out. I think it's now two years after you get out of the league, you have health insurance. So, um, yeah, and – you know, when you play football, even as you play as long as I did, you know, you're only 32. I was only 32 when I retired. Right? I've, I'm hoping I live another 50 years after that. Uh, so, you know, it's it's uh, go make another career and and support your family. So, yeah, uh, that's why you know we're those those players now and all and all professional sports are really lucky. They're making so much money now. Now, De- Demar. It's a six-round draft pick. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, uh, someone asked me this today, a friend of mine, uh, ex-coach ex friend of mine, um, you know, what's the league responsible for? I said, well, they have to pay his contract as long as he is not physically able to play football. But once his contract runs out, I mean, that's over with. Right. Um, right. So, you know, we hope he can get back and play. I mean, there's only one instances of something – Similar, even similar to this, where someone came back and play, right? Chris Pronger, the the NHL player. Um, but so we hope. We, I mean, obviously, we hope everything's the best, and and you know, next year he's back on the football field playing. But right, right now, right. he's got a long road to go to get to that. Um, the football side of things, obviously, not as important, but uh, worth mentioning here. Um, they paused that game, and uh, rightfully so, because the coaches stepped in and. Forced sure. to do so, and I think that's what everybody wanted uh, for the most part. And then, now going forward, what do you think, DA? Should should that game be resumed? How should the league? As of right now, we don't have the answer. What the league is going to do at the time of this recording? What, what, what's the best answer here with this being down, you know, to the very end <laughs> of the regular season? What was a very important game for the entire league, really? 
Yeah, big, it's, a, that was a, it's a huge game for the top of the AFC playoffs, right? Um, well, I've seen a couple scenarios that uh, – there's one that I really like. You know, they're all good. They're also going to play these games this week. Um, yeah, and they're hoping, right, that all the games come out in a way that they won't be forced to play that game to determine the top, you know, the top three seeds in the AFC. But if they are, then, you know, uh, a home playoff games in, in especially in the AFC, you, it, it is vital, right? You know, um, Cincinnati doesn't want to go to Kansas City. Kansas City doesn't want to go to Buffalo. You know, Buffalo doesn't want to go to Cincinnati or Kansas City. So um, they'll end up having to play that game. The, the scenario that I saw best, that I, that I like the best, is the NFC playoff games go as uh, – the first weekend games go as scheduled, and the AFC takes a, takes a bye, right, so that, so that uh, Buffalo and, um, and Cincinnati can play. The next week, the NFC games – there's no NFC games, and the AFC wildcard games would play. Uh, because this week, this year, there's a there's a bye week between the championship games and the Super Bowl, right? So they could, right? So, so they could just yeah to play the Pro Bowl, so they could just push then everything back where they play the championship. The divisional rounds are the same rounds as the same weekend. The NFC NFC divisional rounds are the same weekend. The championship games are the same weekend as each other, right? So there's from that that point on, there's no there's no advantage, and uh, that way there's always an NFL game on. And you know, the first weekend of wildcard games would be the NFC. Second weekend of playoff games would be the AFC wildcard games, right? And then everybody plays the divisional games the next week. And uh, that seems to be uh, my favorite scenario that I've seen. And, I, and I, I'll i bet you, Tyler, they have a plan in place already. Uh, they're just waiting to see what the games happen this weekend. Um, and they don't want to make a decision. They don't want to make an announcement. Well, everybody's mind is still on waiting on on some more good news coming out about Demar. Right, right. Um, I mean, I've seen like win percentage and all that as a possibility, but I, I just don't see how you can't finish that game when you've worked all season to try to fight for home field advantage, and then just say you just change the rules at the last minute. Uh, I don't think that'd be fair to Kansas City, quite frankly. Uh, well, and and. Now, I, I did hear somebody else say, right, you know, life's not fair. World's not fair. If they go with that scenario, then – and these are these are different circumstances, different times, different reasons to do what, what's going to be done. Um, but I hope they play the game. Um, I honestly think it would be great therapy yeah. um, for Buffalo to get out and play the game. Now there'll be some players if they if they play that game there'll be some and this week there'll be some players that'll have a tough time getting ready to go play, but once they get into the game and they buckle the chin strap right it'll it'll feel natural to them it'll feel like home and it'll feel like a football game. Yeah, speaking of which, uh, just the playoff hunt, everything down to the uh, the wire here with uh, week uh, eighteen upon us. Uh, what do you think of things in the AFC? I mean those those three Ooh. teams, the Chiefs. Bengals and Bills, DA. I could see any of those three in the Super Bowl. Hard to imagine yeah. anybody else in the AFC, though. I think. If you no, I can't either. If you you know, and if you rank the, all the teams, AFC, NFC together, those might be one, two, and three, right? Those those three teams are. They've got all three of them have 
um, quarterbacks that are generational talents. Um, they've put together defenses and rosters. They can score. They can score big plays offensively. You know, uh, they've they've got superstars everywhere. So uh, that that is going to be so much fun to watch the AFC playoffs. It's going to be just great entertainment, and we're going to see some great, exceptional play out of some amazing football players. Yeah, and you know, I, I look at Burrow, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. We know all three guys are capable of, uh, you know, some big time success. It might just come down to which of the three quarterbacks plays best here this stretch. What, what say you, Da? Which quarterback yeah. do you like best here? Hey, it, Tyler, it might come down. It might come down to a, uh, the coin flip, right? And who gets yeah. the ball last, right? <laughs> who gets the ball last? Like, like in the like in the Buffalo. Kansas City game last year, right? I mean, yeah. who has the ball last? Um, now, obviously, you know, Patrick's been there. He's done it more than the other two, you know. Um, but it has been a meteoric rise, you know, for uh, the other two guys. And they're catching him. You know, they are catching him. And they're both ready to go win. Now, obviously, now, Burrow was in the, uh, the Super Bowl last year. So, these guys are these guys are amazing. Burrow's offensive line is better than it was last year. Well, sir, and of course, so is so is Mahomes' offensive line is better than it was last year. So, it's uh, it's going to be great theater. Um, both those guys, they've got great. Some of those, they've got great receivers. They've got all pro receivers on all three of those teams. You know, between uh, Kelsey and Diggs, yeah, and uh, and Chase, Jamar Chase. So they've got they've got weapons. Um, it's it is as if you're a football fan. If you're an NFL football fan. Watch the AFC playoffs is going to be a blast. Let me ask you about the NFC side now. I know uh, as a former Eagles guy, oh. just, are you pretty excited to see how well this team's played this year and what Jalen's done? Man, uh, there's not an easier guy to like, is there, than, than Jalen? He is so easy to like. Uh, he is an unbelievable leader. He's an amazing football player. And – you know, he he puts his team first. He praises um, his uh, his teammates before he takes any credit. He takes all the blame. He does everything uh, by the book about uh, what great leaders do. Um, you know, his hit on his shoulder, boy, it, you know, it that looked like it could be nothing, or it looked like that could be a season-ending deal. Now I know he finished that game uh, playing on pure toughness and adrenaline. Um, but that thing's really, really sore. And, um, you know, they're trying to limp through and trying to get to the playoffs. They, they need to win this next game. Um, but then for them to win this next game, they need to run the ball. And, and the de- without Jalen, they need to run the ball. And the defense needs to step up and pitch a shutout. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think so. And, and uh, you know, we've seen them, you know, lose a couple games while he was out and – come back down to earth a little bit here. Do you think Jalen coming back provides just the spark they need, or, or was there kind of, a, you know, a wake-up call and people start to figure out the Eagles a little bit here? Well, no, I think I think they need Jalen. You know, um, they built the play, playbook around Jalen, which is what you do. You have a generational guy at quarterback like Jalen Hurts. You know, you tailor your offense to what he does best, and they need him back to, to – be maximum um, efficient. Now, 
you know, they've got the best right tackle in the NFL. Lane Johnson's out out right now too. Right. And they need Lane. Um, you know, they're talking about he won't play for sure against the Giants. Right. Right. They need him back for uh, the playoff run. Um, you, you know, you can't lose the number one player at his position in, in, in the offensive line and, and not suffer a little bit. So they need him back. Yeah. Yeah, they certainly do. What about San Francisco with, uh, with Brock Purdy? He's played so well, uh, since uh, taking over as the starter. Is this sustainable? Do you think he can, he can take them on a playoff run here? Well, he can take them on a playoff run. Um, you know, you just want to see what happens, you know, when they get, if they, if he has to play in the NFC championship game, you know, the stages just keep getting bigger and him being a quarterback, the, you know, the media demands just become, they, they grow exponentially, you know, from the, from the regular season to the wild card game, to the divisional game, the, the demands on his time just grow, will grow exponentially. And can, how can he handle that? Um, Cause he was coming from Iowa state. He's never seen anything like, the meat grinder he's about to go through. Um, but now obviously you can't deny the on-field success that he's had. Um, and the, the cool thing about that is watching his teammates. Yeah. You know, they, they believe in him. So it's, it's a cool deal. Yeah, it is. Let me ask you one more NFL question. Then we'll talk a little college ball here. Uh, the old quarterbacks, Brady's going to be in the playoffs again. Probably facing the Cowboys, uh, which doesn't feel good for Dallas. That, that feels <laughs> like the script is almost written of some sorts. Meanwhile, Aaron Rodgers, they win against Detroit. They're in. How about the old guys after such a slow start finding their way back in the playoff picture? I, I, I still want to want to face those guys right now. <laughs> no. Man, how many people have been burned by counting those guys out uh, through the years, right? Um, you know, Father Time wins. Father Time is going to win against both those guys. But I, until they're completely retired and done and the next season starts, I'm never going to, you know, count them out uh, of anything. Uh, and, and I agree with you. Uh, Tampa Bay looked the best they have looked all season last game, right? Uh, they, look, they looked as good as they had looked. Now, they also got a little healthier on offensive line. Right, they got Tristan Wirfs back, um, which was big, you know. Uh, and I'm with you. It does look a little bit like you know the Dallas Cowboys um, of the last 20 years, right? The rug's going to get start off great, and the rug's going to get pulled out from underneath them, um, which doesn't break my heart. I know you probably got a lot of <laughs> Dallas Cowboy fans on your podcast. I, I wanted to say I'm in the same boat. Yeah, that's not going to hurt me at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Aaron Aaron Rodgers, uh, he's still got a he's still got magic in his right arm. You know his 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 arm talent is the best ever. Yeah, uh, and and so it's just really for him is he sure is still he still one hundred percent invested in being great. And you know I we I don't think anybody really thought the first half of the season he was one hundred percent invested in what's going on now. The last four or five games, you know, he's looked like MVP Aaron Rodgers from the last couple of years. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Uh, Move on, talk a little college football now. The national championship going to be Georgia and TCU. Semifinals were the best semifinal doubleheader we've ever had. 
Two terrific right. games here. I know TCU's a double-digit dog. I don't know about you, DA, but I think TCU's going to make this a game, personally. TCU's going to make this a game. Um, you know, they're, they, 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 they've cleared every hurdle, right? They've passed every test. They've shown they can play defense and win a close game in the teens, right? And they've shown they can score 50 and win a football game. You know, they've done it every way that they've had to do it this year. They've, they've had big leads. They've come from behind. They've done everything. Um, when, you know, and when you get on a roll and you get that winner's mentality, you know, nothing will phase, nothing will phase them that happens in the first or second quarter. Um, now, they're, they're also – they haven't faced, you know, a team with a pedigree, right, of Georgia, right, playing the, uh, against the national championship quarterback – Right and a and a defending national championship coach and team, so uh, now they handled they handled the pressure of being in a semifinal game beautifully last week, right with the media media and all the uh, so it's going to be fantastic. Now that that guy that plays quarterback for Georgia is is a winner, um, right. but but so is so is Duggan, and uh, I love it. I'll be I will be. Um, nestled up in my, my corner of my couch, um, ready for that one Monday night. Yeah, uh, it's that one's going to be a lot of fun. And I, I, I got to tell you, you know, just the way that that Max Duggan has come along after, you know, not even starting the year. You know, he was behind Chandler Morris and everything. To me, that's you know the, the two quarterbacks in this game. You Stetson Bennett, former walk on, then Max Duggan. The way that he's been resilient here. What a job by both these guys to, to get to the, this title game here, D.A. It's awesome, isn't it? Um, you just love it. You know, you, you hear the stories about uh, about Duggan, and you, know, you I, I saw an interview with his dad. You know, his dad growing up, there was never an excuse ever for anything, right? It was perform, right? Perform absolutely your best, right? And if you do that, then – Right, most times the scoreboard is going to say you did a you 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 did a great job, and I, I love that. Right, if you're going to win, there there aren't any excuses. There isn't any, right? There isn't any what ifs or what are we going to do? Right, um, the ball doesn't always it's not ground, so it doesn't always bounce your way, right? But if you play hard um, and are prepared, you're going to go win. Right. And the same thing can be said about George's quarterback. Right. I mean, he's not the biggest. He's not the strongest. He's not the greatest arm. He just knows. Right. In the big moments. Right. When the pressure's the greatest, he has a he has the ability to calm his mind and slow the game down and make a play. It's just it's so fun to watch those two guys play football. Oh, absolutely. Uh, all right. Last thing we'll uh, we'll, get, we'll end on this, uh, you know, with. Well, transfer portal and recruiting, you know, has been rampant here the last last month or so. And and uh, you as a high school coach, uh, DA, I, I'm I'm reading all this stuff of these you know players that are being brought in, and high school numbers right. are at a record low right now of how many high school kids are yeah play D1 football. I mean, it's I understand it, but it, it's still sad at the same time too, isn't it? It, it's heartbreaking. The number of coaches, college coaches that we see on high school campuses now has been cut probably less than half. Um, and that is, it's just, you know, there's some, I've, I've talked to some coaches that haven't been on the road and they, they, they sit there 
as coaching staff and they stare at the transfer portal, right? They keep refreshing their, their computer screens, you know, hoping to be the first coach to call some new person that puts their name in the portal. Um, you know, the, the high school scholarships to the, to the five-star and the four-star guys are not going to change, right? Those guys are still going to go sign, you know, Alabama, the Alabamas of the world are still going to go sign, you know, 22 high school players, you're going to send, sign five, five, five stars and 14, four stars. And, you know, that's not going to change. But for the for the mid-level college or you know high school player that's going to go play in a mid-level school or a D two school, those scholarships are 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 dwindling. Um, you know the D two you know the guys that they're in Division one schools that go in the portal that been there a month and they don't get a Division one offer now they're they're taking Division two scholarships, right? So it's a it's a it's a really really tough deal. Now I think one I hope Tyler. And there's a lot of people that believe this. Once we get all the players out of the NCAA that have that COVID year, right? After right. we get rid of all the sixth year players out of out of the system, it'll equal it'll the equilibrium will come down, right? Instead of having 2,500 players in the portal, you know, maybe we'll have half of that, 1,200. Right. Right. In in that case, you know, then there'll be more scholarships available for high school football players, and that's. That's what everybody hope everybody's hope is. This thing kind of settles down, and I hope the, the news travels, you know, trickles back to the college players. You know, man, it didn't work out for my buddy that went to the portal last year. You know, he's at a he was at a Big Twelve school, and now he's, you know, he's playing, you know, at, you know, some directional Division two school. Right. Um, so. Uh, I ho- I hope there's some equilibrium, but it it is heartbreaking for the high school kids. The uh, the rules that were set this year, um, you were allowed to bring in as many players as you wanted. Just had to be at that 85 number, whether it was through the portal or through high school recruiting. And um, there's still questions about what the future rules will right. be of some sorts. As as you mentioned, they sort out the six year players and all that. What would would it make sense to have some type of rule of some sorts? You have to have a, a certain number of high school kids, maybe. Well, I, I think, yes. And I think the way to do that is if you lose five underclassmen to the portal, then you can only sign five portal players, you know, um, instead of making them sign 18 high school players or whatever. I think, I think, you just replace a you replace a, a player that goes in the portal with a player from the portal. Yeah, um, and that still allows a that still allows a team because and, and don't designate a position, right? right? That way, if you're if you have a fifth year senior quarterback that graduates, and you have five guys that go in the portal, you could go sign a portal quarterback if you needed to, but you just limit it to the number of pl- of players you could sign. Right. Right. Yeah. Because we still got to protect these high school kids of some sort. So the ones right. yeah. in the chat at the end of the day. Right. That's right. So 100%. DA, we're out of time. Uh, always a pleasure to talk to you, my man. Uh, best of luck uh, with everything uh, going on in your world in Sepulpa. And I'm sure we'll be talking again uh, in the near future. Thanks for joining us. Oh, of course you will, Tyler, man. Thanks. I, I always love it. Have a good, t- have a good time.
All right, it is time for Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by Ohio Counter Advisory Group. You can find Ohio Advisory Group online, oagks.com, ocounteradvisorygroup.com. You can also reach out to Bo by phone at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. The uh, link to Bo's website is also in the uh, description of uh, the show, so go ahead and uh, click the link there. Bo, uh, we mentioned Happy New Year and uh, great time to – get your year started with uh, planning for your financial future for the rest of this year and beyond. You know, first of the year, this always happens. What do we all do? We say we're going to go, go lose some weight, we're going to get healthy. And it's the new year, the new me, and I'm going to get my money right. Hey, we are here to help you. It, you know, you got to hire a personal trainer to get you at the gym and get you working the right way. It is no different with your money. If you need to, you, this is the year you're going to get your, you're going to get your retirement planning. You're going to start saving money for a house or for that big purchase or that big vacation, or you're thinking about retirement and you don't know how this is the time. There is no better time to start than right now, beginning of 2023, go to OAGKS.com. Check out the website, go through it. There's lots of fun stuff you can take a look at some different ideas Hit the contact us. When you hit the contact us, it is going to send a message directly to me. And I will be with no obligation willing to give you a call, email, whatever it takes, set up a free consultation, figure out what it is that you're looking for and how we can help you. We want to be your partner. OHGCast.com, counteradvisorygroup.com. Bo, uh, let's go ahead and uh, this week in uh, the picks, uh, go through our slate. Uh, We have, this is our last full 10-game slate of the year as uh, after this week we, uh, of course, move on to playoff time in the NFL. And so with that, we'll pick the national title game and the nine NFL games on the docket this week. The national championship game, TCU and Georgia. Georgia favored by 12 and a half. Ravens and Bengals. Bengals favored by seven. Lions and Packers. The Packers favored four and a half. Titans and Jags. Jags favored by six. Patriots and Bills, the Bills favored by seven. Browns and Steelers, Steelers favored two and a half. Eagles and Giants, Eagles favored by 14. Seahawks and Rams, Seahawks favored six and a half. Cowboys and Commanders, the Cowboys favored seven and a half. Jets and Dolphins, the Jets favored by one. Bo, let's go and get started with the national title game. TCU and Georgia with Georgia favored by 12 and a half. What do you think here, Bo? We've talked a lot about this game already. I think that... This is going to be a closer game than most people think. Um, I think two weeks ago, if I was picking this game, I would have picked Georgia at 13 points and been like, okay, you know, I'll take them. But I think Ohio State showed me that you can put some points up on on Georgia's defense. I think Georgia's going to win this game. I think they're going to win it by somewhere between 7 and 10. I don't think at any point it'll be completely out of hand. I also don't think at any point we're going to go, wow, TCU is going to win. I'm going to take TCU with the points, but I I think Georgia wins the game. Vegas has not liked TCU all year. Um, they have not been uh, very kind to the uh, the Horn Frogs. And we have seen in the past, bowl where the team that wins the national title game Covers probably maybe 50% of the time. I, I'm I'm with you here. I like Georgia to win, but I like TCU to cover. I think this is probably about a seven-point game, but uh, Georgia gets it done. So I'm with you there. Same thing. 
Uh, to the NFL slate we go. Ravens and Bengals in Cincinnati. The first game uh, in Cincinnati since Monday night. And uh, Cincinnati favored by seven here. Lamar Jackson, his status still unknown. Bo, uh, if Lamar doesn't play, I, I don't think the Bengal, the uh, the Ravens have a chance. I would agree. Um, I think what you're going to see this week on spreads, Tyler, is you're going to see what spreads some inflated numbers. We're going to see a lot of these teams that normally the Bengals wouldn't be a seven-point favorite on the Ravens. And I don't think it's just the Lamar Jackson piece. I also think there's going to be some people who are going to say, well, some of these underdog teams maybe aren't going to play as hard or go as hard. Maybe they're playing backup players. You know, we talked about some stuff already where like the, the commanders be playing Sam Howell at quarterback. Be wary of those. Keep that in mind, but then don't also overvalue that as if you're going to be actually laying down a bet. Um, having said that, the Bengals are explosive. They're one of the hottest teams in the league right now. I'm taking the Bengals minus the seven. Yeah, I, I've been back and forth on this. Seven is anytime you put seven points in the NFL. That is a high number. Um, but with the questions surrounding Lamar and just his status, and even if he does play, what's he going to look like? Um, I'm going to go with Cincinnati at home here in this game uh, to cover seven uh, personally. Let me. Can I ask you a question real quick? Yeah, I know ahead. you do a lot of stuff with the Ravens. Do you think Lamar Jackson's playing or not? I would lean towards no. Do you think it's because he's hurt or because he knows where they're at right now and given his contract status? Do you think the contract status plays, plays into that at all? No, because he's been a good soldier throughout this. He's been there for his teammates and – you know, even in the midst of the contract situation, he could uh, when they were negotiating and things were tense, he could have done like a hold in, um, yeah. and he was very out of it. He wanted to be out there with his teammates, you know, and he's a very team oriented guy. I don't think he intentionally hold himself out. Uh, I do think it is injury riddled because uh, I, okay. I don't think that's what Lamar's about. But uh, I do like the Bengals here, um, and but I I would be surprised if we don't see Lamar. Come playoff time, personally. Yeah, I, uh, I wanted that. You would know more than I would in that case. That's I was curious, and I agree with you a hundred percent with what who Lamar Jackson is. I wasn't trying to say anything yeah. bad about the young man. You know, I'm a right. fan. Oh yeah, but I I wanted to see if you thought that was any of that. Right? Yeah, now. we both love Lamar. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I I hope he plays. Want to see him out there, but uh, I'm not I'm not leaning towards what's going to happen. Uh, Titans and uh, or uh, almost got ahead of myself there. Lions and Packers on Sunday Night Football. Packers favored by four and a half here. Bo, uh, for business-wise, I want a Seahawks win and a Lions win, but uh, I don't feel very good about the Lions' chances in Lambeau. Four and a half, though. What do you think about that line? I am taking the fighting Dan Campbells. I just – I love Dan Campbell. I wish he was coaching my team. They are the unofficial team of the Coach Bono's podcast the rest of this season, and I'm taking the Lions plus the four and a half. Not sure they're going to get it done, but damned if I'm not going to go with them and try. So give me the Lions. Bo, three for three. I'm with you, too. I, I think the Packers win, but Dan Campbell and company, prime time. I think they're going to give the Packers a tough game. I think they can – Keep it within two or three. I'll go with the Lions to cover. 
Titans and Jags. Jags favored by six here. Bo, for me, this is probably the easiest game of the week to pick. The Titans stink. The, J- <laughs> the Jags are playing really good football. I like the Jags to cover six. I, I do, too. It's a strange thing. is A month ago, I wouldn't have said this. A month oh, ago, I would have been making jokes about... you and I about- sat together and watched that Titans-Packers game, we were like, wow, the Titans look great. They looked great. We did. We were like, that's who they're supposed to be. And they haven't been that for a month now. And meanwhile, the Jags have figured out that they can score points. And Doug Peters has done a masterful job. They're going to win the division. They're going to the playoffs. Give me the Jags. Minus six. Remember, uh, I picked the Jags to win the AFC South uh, at one point on this show. Yeah, I did not pick them this year. I had, I had the Titans. Yeah. The uh, Patriots and the Bills. The Bills favored by seven. Bo, a motivated Bills team here. Um, Going to come out with some fire. Patriots, they got their own issues. I I, I think this could be uh, an ugly game. I, I think the Bills could put a shellac in on the Patriots. And if uh, Bill Belichick is smart, this uh, – this should be Matt Patricia's last ever game as an OC. Well, I think the Patriots players are going to have someone go warm their cars up when they're on the plane on the way back because their season. Patricia's car first. Yeah. And uh, the Bills, this is seven. It could be 17 really easily. I like the Bills in a huge way here. Yeah. Browns and uh, Steelers. Steelers favored by two and a half here. Well, what do, what do you think? Uh, the Steelers still have a shot to make the playoffs, but Deshaun Watson finally uh, came through last week for Cleveland. I like the Steelers. I, I have not been on the Steelers at all this season. I did pick them last week. I actually had a little little bread laid on it too um, on Sunday night. And we talked about it earlier. I think this is Mike Tomlin's best job. Kenny Pickett is not going to go out there and win games, but he's not going to go out there and lose them either. There's a few teams in this league that would take Kenny Pickett a quarterback right now. Uh, give me the Steelers here, minus the two and a half. I'm just not sold on the Browns right now. Browns never got that jolt they were expecting with Deshaun coming back. Uh, it took till week 17 for them to finally show something. Steelers, I think, are a better team, uh, and they're at home here. I like the Steelers two and a half here, too. Eagles and Giants, on paper, you would look at this and say, how the hell are the Eagles favored by 14? Do a little more digging, you realize the Giants don't have anything to play for and more than likely will be playing their JV squad. And uh, the game may be in New York, but uh, 14 points here. Bo, this is one that I would actually stay away from betting-wise because it feels like, okay, yeah, the Eagles should win this game big. But then they put in their backups maybe later, and then the line, then 14 becomes in danger. I'm still taking the Eagles to cover, but I'm not touching that with a 10 foot pole uh, when it comes to my wallet. 14 points is a ton in the NFL. And the backdoor cover is wide open. Right. This game's not going to be competitive at times. I look for the Eagles to sit a lot of guys in the second half. I'll take the Giants plus 14, but I think the Eagles win the game. Okay. Seahawks and Rams. Seahawks favored by six and a half at home. 
this is a uh, crucial game for Seattle. Must win to keep their playoff hopes alive. Baker Mayfield and the Rams played a lot better football as of late. Aaron Donald, questionable. Uh, Seattle favorite six and a half. What do we think, Bo? Blowout city. Six and a half, could be ten and a half, could be twelve and a half. This was the easiest game for me to pick this week. Give me the Seahawks. I think Seattle wins, but I think this is a game that comes right down to the wire. Uh, I got Seattle winning 31-27. Rams cover uh, six and a half in that case. Cowboys and Commanders, the Commies, uh, who are going to start Sam Howell. Good luck with that. Um, Dallas favored by uh, seven and a half here. Bo, uh, you taking the boys? I am taking the Cowboys here. I They need the game. And they've got to get some, got to get some hope, <laughs> obviously, uh, to try to move and try to win the division. Uh, they're the team I don't want to play in a one-game situation. I'm taking the Cowboys. The Commandos are going to be out there with uh, Sam Howell, quarterback, and Ron Rivera, not knowing if he's got a job next season, and a whole bunch of guys who are ready to go on vacation. So give me the Cowboys. All right. I'll go to the Cowboys, too. Jets and Dolphins. Uh these are going to be some bad quarterbacks in this game. Um, Mike White looked awful last week against Seattle. The Dolphins, you know, whether it's Teddy or Skyler or Mike Glennon, whatever it may be, it's not going to be good. And the Dolphins have problems uh, the last month or so. Bo, uh, th- this game, you'd have to pay me to watch uh, in its entirety. I mean, this is – this is not going to be fun. Uh, I know the Dolphins need to win to make the postseason here, but I like the Jets personally at that one-point margin with all the turmoil the Dolphins have been dealing with here. I like the Dolphins. I think speed kills, and I think the Dolphins are going to have a lot of speed on that field still. So give me the Dolphins. Uh, I think that's – I mean, I think they're going to be good enough at quarterback to, to score three or four times and – I expect some kind of low 20s kind of output out of the Dolphins. I think that's going to be enough to beat the Jets this week. So give me the Dolphins. Okay. Let's uh, let's get to some uh, headlines uh, throughout the NFL here on the football fix here this week. Um, at this time next week, Bo, we're going to be talking about Black Monday in the NFL and coaches being fired. Who is going to be out, you think? All right, let me look here. I got to pull everything. I don't see. I got to look at these standings. The first one I can tell you right now is Arizona. Um, um, Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury. Sorry, name slipped my mind. He he's going to be one of the first ones. Um, he might get left on the tarmac. He may not. He may have somebody come get his bags and go on vacation. Uh, I think he's out. Um, I think Dennis Allen's going to be out in New Orleans. Really. I think that New Orleans is going to make a humongous push to try to bring, I think unsuccessfully, I think they're going to make a humongous push to try to bring Sean Payton back. I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's going to go somewhere, but I do think that he's gone. I think that Dennis Allen, this whole situation with not playing Jameis Winston, not really having a good clue what they were doing and really not looking competitive through most of the season. I think that and that staff is mostly a holdover from Sean Payton. I think they're all getting maxed. I think we're going to see something brand new there. 
don't be surprised if that's where Jim Harbaugh ends up. Mm. Don't be surprised. Um, from there, I'm looking through the NFC right now. Ron Rivera, I think, could get it. I don't think he will. I just think he's such a good man, and people like him on the league so much. And frankly, the commanders need somebody who is um, who's beyond reproach as far as their their humanity and who they are. And so I think that helps save Ron Rivera's job. Um, I know there's a situation with a contract, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders are trying to find a bigger name and make a deal there. Um, sadly enough, I think the Texans are going to fire Lovey Smith. Um, I really don't like that. I really think he was kind of brought in to be the patsy to get them the number one pick. That team is awful. It's an awful roster. And getting two wins about the best you could do with that team, but they're not going to keep him moving forward. Especially well, if they've got one one two games with that roster. Yeah, they would have, yeah. And 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 I think they're going to go hire somebody that's going to be a quarterback guru, knowing they're going to draft a quarterback number one, most likely. Most likely it's Bryce Young. Um, I just I think that unfortunately Lovey Smith's gonna get caught up in that. The Colts have already fired their coach. Now Jeff Saturday's in there as a as a interim. He's not coming back. I think that's about it as I look at this. I've kind of just gone by division by division here. I don't think there'll be a huge slaying of coaches, but I do think we'll see some. And I, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if every coach in the NFC South is gone. If there's going to be like a mass exodus, those four teams, I could see that. You think, uh, you think Todd Bowles gets fired after they get eliminated? I, I think so. I think, he'll, I think he's going to step away. I think that he's going to have said, look, I'm not dealing with this Tom Brady shit. And, and even though Tom Brady's not going to be back next season, he'll be somewhere else. Um, if he's playing, he will not be in Tampa. But I don't think that it's left a very good taste in his mouth. Um, I also think, you know, the Panthers looking at coaches. I kind of like what their interim coach has done there in Carolina. We'll, we'll see what happens Wilkes, there. Yeah, I think yeah. Steve Wilkes is going to get that job, yeah. Yeah, I know that they've been talking to Jim Harbaugh this week as well. I think that's a little more of a flirting, but you never know. And then I think Mike Smith in Atlanta is okay. I think he's okay for another season. So I do see that division. You could see some stuff moving around. I think the Saints are the most likely one to fire somebody. Um, and then we'll look around. We'll see what the Rams do. You know, is Sean McVay going to leave? You know, he's going to get offered a bunch of money by somebody to go be in the booth. Then someone's going to make a big play for Sean Payton. And then we're going to see these dominoes kind of fall. The other one I think is out there is if the Cowboys get upset in the first round of the playoffs, if they don't look good, Mike McCarthy could go. And Jerry Jones might say, get me who I want. Yeah. So there's there's a couple of guys in play. There's a couple of guys who have played over the last month have kept their jobs as well. So I just think that we've got there'll be some there'll be some blood on you know next Monday. So here's here's something that I find interesting. We've been hearing this about the Broncos of you know, with the fire they made in Nathaniel Hackett, uh, which happened since the last time we talked. We all knew it was yeah. going to happen. It was going to happen. Um, 
that the you know the Walton family you know from Walmart that now owns the uh, Broncos is willing to pay whatever it takes to get their guy. Like we've heard upwards of even fifteen million, whatever. Um, yeah. You know that that all sounds nice, sure. You know that they they can throw out whatever cash they want, but what kind of coach actually thinks they can fix Russell Wilson? I think Russell Wilson's beyond repair at this point. I, I think it's going to take somebody who can play a system um, that's going to say, let's run the ball first. I, I don't know who that is. I don't know who can fix Russell Wilson. And I'm Jim not Harbaugh sure likes to run the football. What's that? Jim Harbaugh likes to run the football. He does. But I think he's also always had a good quarterback when he's been in the league. I think that he's – He's a, he's the next quarterback himself. I think it's going to be hard for him to coach bad quarterbacks at times. I think that's what appealed to him in college was developing quarterbacks. Um, I, I would say, like, he did out of nowhere fix Alex Smith, which no one saw coming. Yeah. yeah I mean, there's some truth to that. And you know, Tom Kaepernick played his best under Harbaugh. I agree with that, too. So – I I think he's a good fit there. I don't know what those Broncos are going to do. And I think that it was, I think for Nathaniel Hackett, it was a bad deal all around when he didn't deliver Aaron Rodgers. Look, he was given that job so that Aaron Rodgers would come with it. Right. And when that didn't happen and they had to settle for Russell Westbrook, which, I mean, that's not settling for a bad player. It's just he's not Aaron Rodgers. You are thinking, well, okay, we're settling for this. Maybe that's good enough. But it certainly hasn't been a a particularly good relationship between those two. And we all knew the coach was the one who's going to have to get the axe because of the contract Wilson has. So yeah, I in the end, I don't know. I don't know who's going to get hired at places. I I'm pretty sure Jim Harbaugh's back in the NFL next season. I think he'll have a job within about two or three weeks in the NFL. Um, I, I don't. I think Sean Payton will be coming back. I, I think with Payton, I think he ends up in Arizona mm. because I think Arizona is the one place that can give the Saints what they want. The Saints are going to request the first round pick as compensation. Yeah, and if you're the Saints, you'd love to get the Cardinals' first pick because it's number four overall right now. Right, but is that too much of a price to pay for a coach? Yes. It might be. So it depends. That's going to take Sean Payton to have some convincing. It's going to take both sides to convince each other that that's going to be a good marriage, especially without Kyler Murray for, what, at least first half of next season? Right. You know, so that'll be interesting to see. If that Dallas job comes open, they're going to throw whatever they got to throw at Sean Payton. Yeah. So – It'll be interesting. Uh, for McCarthy's sake, he's got to win that first playoff game. He'll have if he can win the first one, he can lose the second one and be okay. But if he doesn't win the first one, they're in trouble. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Um, with Jim Harbaugh, um, you know, we heard all this last year when he signed that extension and when he had flirted with that Vikings job. You know, he said, "I'm not leaving. I'm committed to being here." And now all this is happening again. We hear the reports that, you know, if he gets offered a job, he's leaving. 
And, you know, it's twofold to it, Bo. Like, if you're a Michigan fan, I would understand the frustration of being told one thing and if he does another. But at the same time, too, I mean, you just won back-to-back Big Ten titles, back-to-back playoff appearances, beat Ohio State twice. I I think that's about as good as you can get for Michigan, uh, realistically. I I I don't know. I, I feel like Harbaugh might have reached his ceiling uh, with, with the Wolverines uh, in all honesty here. And you'd be leaving the program a much better place than, than you found it uh, on the flip side of that. Yeah. I, you know, it's always hard when you hire like your, your legend to come back like, like the, like Michigan did, but I don't even think he wanted to take the job at the time. I don't think, I think it was a part of him. Didn't want to either. I think there was a part of him that just like, well, what am I going to do? I'll do it. Oh, I guess uh, it's open and I need a job. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and he's done a great job, but I think also part of it is I don't think he's going to be able to, if he couldn't get there this season and last season, I don't think he can win a national title at Michigan. And if you're Jim Harbaugh, why are you going to coach in college if you're not going to have a chance at the national title? Right. I mean, that's what it's coming down to. We're seeing now the coaches at the college level that are saying, the, the elite coaches are saying, I'm only going somewhere if I think I can win it all. Right. And I, I don't know if Jim Harbaugh can win it there. And I think that there's a part of me that thinks you can win it there just because they're Michigan you're in the big. You're in the the, the Big Ten. All you got to do is beat Ohio State. But the problem is, is that he's had two good teams in a row, right? And he's gotten to the playoff, and he's lost in the first round of the playoff both times. So what do you do? Yeah, I yeah. I think in the end, I think that's what it's going to come down to. I think had Michigan won this week, we wouldn't have had any of these problems. I right. think if he was in the national championship game, win or lose. But I think the fact they lost the TCU took a lot out of him. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right about that uh, as far as that goes. Uh, moving on from uh, coaches now, uh, Derek Carr, looks like he's played his last game with the Raiders. I would think, Bo, um, there's enough teams desperate for quarterbacks. He'll be a starter again next year uh, somewhere for a lot less money. But – I think of him like in what we talked about with Matt Ryan last year of he'll get another shot, but his shelf life is not going to be long of what's left. You know, we, you and I talked a lot in this off season about Derek Carr and you know how I feel about him. I think he should have got cut in the off season. There was a perfect I'm salary. Not a fan of his either. He's awful. Not yeah. a fan at all. And I think that he is not a franchise quarterback. I, They've made the Raiders have made the right decision in not giving him uh, they, the contract they did give him. They can get out of. I would do anything I could right now to get out of that contract and get him out of town and, and start over. And frankly, I think that Josh McDaniels is going to need that too, because if he has to go back out there with Derek Carr, you might as well fire Josh McDaniels. I mean, he's going to be he's not going to be any better. So. Yeah, give me I, – I, they're going to have to go young at quarterback. This draft has got four guys that could be potential starting quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't know how many are going to be actual stars. I think Stroud's going to be a star. I think Young is going to be a star. 
I think Will Levis has a chance to be a starting quarterback. And I think Anthony Richardson, if he sits for a year in the right situation, could probably be a good quarterback. Here, so here's guys, there's some guys there in this draft. So yeah. there's been, you know, rumblings the last couple of days about uh, bringing Brady and Gronk together to Vegas. And yeah. that whole idea to me, Bo, I mean, Brady's not played good. Gronk is been retired for a year. And even if he does come back, how much longer does he have really? Um, you know me, I like Tom a lot. And yeah. I've just been impressed with what he, just the fact he's even been held out there and what he has done. But obviously the best football is still behind him at this point. I don't think yeah. I don't think Tom can win a Super Bowl again. If if they're going to go that route, if that is their, if that's Josh McDaniels and this organization's plan to to save face, then I don't even think they're really that interested in winning football games. I think they're more interested in being entertaining. I 100 percent agree. I think if your plan right now is Josh McDaniels is to go get Brady and Gronkowski, I think you should be fired. Yeah. Look, Tom Brady's 45. He has not played well this season. He didn't play particularly well for parts of last season. I know we disagreed a lot on that, but, I mean, I watch a lot of tape. I'm just telling you, he's not an effective quarterback. He has been in two-minute drills twice in the last month. But he's not the guy that can do this. And at 45, there's too many negatives to what he can and cannot be. And then you look at Gronk. Look, Grock looks great. You see him now. He's on Fox on the pregame, and he he fills out a suit great. Oh, boy, he's thin. He's lost a lot of weight. And that ain't muscle that can just get put right back on real quick. So I, and, I look and at And the it, Gronk that we saw the two years in Tampa was not the same Gronk in New England. No. no he was I mean, good, the, but he but wasn't the, the all-pro player. Yeah, the polar bear who never dropped the ball. I mean, the guy who was incredible. I think Gronkowski's the best tight end I've ever seen. But I look at it now. He's just, he's thinner. He cannot take those hits now. The situation is now with Gronkowski that he he cannot be an effective tight end play after play after play. You can gimmick up some shit for him. But if that's what you're trying to do to win, you're more interested in selling T-shirts and 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 paying a higher price for your tickets than you are in trying to win a game, especially in the division with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Hurt. Right. So, no, I think it's a terrible mistake for the, the Raiders to make. And frankly, I think that the, the entire situation of, of going to get Brady for any team is a bad idea. You know, we've heard the 49ers. We've heard a couple other teams. I think it's a bad idea. You know, we've seen some of these reports where, you know, he's having conversations with players on Saturday night, changing game plans, been right. working on all week. Right. This is not surprising. Well, and and then I hear, you know, also out of Vegas of this whole thing of Devontae Adams wants to say on who the potential, who the next quarterback is and I understand where Devontae's coming from, that he came there to play with Derek Carr, his former college teammate, but the Raiders are so flawed and have so many holes to fill. Um, you know, Josh Jacobs, his contract's up. Darren Waller's getting older. 
Uh, Devontae Adams is the only player that is in his exact prime right now that's got all these years to go still. Um, If I'm the Raiders, like, I'm I'm saying, you know, screw off, Devontae. I mean, like, we're going to find the guy we want. And if you don't like that, then we're going to trade you to do this rebuild right. I mean, your wide receiver doesn't make those calls. That's what you have management and scouting staff departments for. Yeah, I agree. It's different when you've got a quarterback and you you're trying to get the core right players with the quarterback. But when you've got the wide receiver who look, Devontae Adams should have known Derek Carr was not likely to be there after this season. We all knew that. And we all knew that unless he had just a spectacular season. I mean, he was going to have to come in and be an MVP candidate. And he's never been that. And I get it. Devontae Adams is a better receiver than Derek Carr's ever had. But Derek Carr's not that good. And so I just look at it and go, that's on Devontae Adams as well. I mean, if he made that decision to play that power play, to go over there because of Derek Carr, he should have freaking known better too. Um, I just don't really have a lot of respect for that whole situation right now. And I just, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm i not, I don't think you give the wide receiver. I mean, even if that wide receiver was Jerry Rice or Randy Moss, it doesn't matter who the wide, who the quarterback is. The quarterbacks won't get you the ball. Right. One way or the other. I just don't like that idea at all. I, I, I think the Raiders should go with a young quarterback, share up that defense, and they ought to go get somebody. I think Will Levis would be a really good fit there. Yeah. Not he does not have the upside that CJ Stroud and 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 Bryce Young have. I get that. But when I look at Will Levis, I see Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is doesn't make a lot of mistakes, good arm. I think he's got a better arm than Russell Wilson. Doesn't make a lot of mistakes and you could win with him early in his career while he's on a rookie contract if you have an outstanding defense and a run game. Yeah. Got the running back. Mm-hmm. They got a great wide receiver. Darren Waller is really good at tight end. It gives you another great guy in the middle of the field. Right. Boost that defense. Draft Will Levis, which you're picking the first round, and go do it. That's my advice for the Raiders. Yeah. If they want, they can go to OAGKS.com, send me a message. I'll be your head coach next year. Believe me, we'll win more games. Yeah. I'll be your partner. <laughs> yeah. A uh, couple college notes, and we'll move on. We've already previewed the title game, so I won't talk about that. But uh, we know things are bad in Aggie land, and now they're looking like they're even worse than we thought. Jimbo, of course, still head coach. They can't afford to pay the buyout. You yeah. bring in Bobby Petrino as OC, but it doesn't stop there. Oh, no, folks. DJ Durkin, who killed the guy, is your D.C., and Steve Adazio, quick Google search, folks. You'll find everything you need to know is your O-line coach. I mean, they just said the hell with it, right? I mean, like, what what the hell is going on there? Yeah, uh, it's this has got to be some good old boys from A&M. We're going, okay, we can't fire Jimbo. What are we going to do? And, and someone said, hey, I got an idea. Let's go get 
Bobby Petrino to run the offense. That, all that other stuff don't matter. All we got to do is to get him to come in and run the offense. That's how it happened. I guarantee goddamn you. Just, I mean, this is this is laughable what they're doing at AM. AM's trying anything they can to throw money at whatever they can that they think can fix these problems. Uh, every time that was it I've said about um Kirk Cousins, yeah, every time he gets a paycheck, he's stealing money. Yeah. Jimbo Fisher should cut off 10% of his pay, not to the church, but to but to Jameis Winston. Because without Jameis Winston, he doesn't win a national title. And if he doesn't win that national title, he does not have this big contract. Yeah. 10% of all his earnings should go to Jameis Winston. Yes. Oh, that's good. Um, and then another college note, uh, you know, as I was looking at just all the changes, uh, a bow of of what's had gone on and 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 everything, and as we've gone through bowl season and all this, to me, one guy that, that stood out was uh, none other than Luke Fickle at Wisconsin. Shows up, coaches the team's bowl game, which is unheard of. I mean, just unbelievable. And beats Oklahoma State and beat them pretty handily. They controlled that game from start to finish. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I know that, you know, that rubs some people the wrong way that he, he coached that game when that was Jim Leonard's last game at Wisconsin, but Jim Leonard, you know, still got to do the trophy presentation and all that. So, I mean, it could have, I, I understand some people were frustrated, like, you know, here's, you know, Luke Fickle coming in, doing the TV interviews, <laughs> all this, but you win the bowl game. And now he's bringing over Mike Tressel to be his DC, and he's made some big time hires here. They're already doing a good job in the recruiting trail. Uh, Luke Fickle's coming in with a bang already to Wisconsin, Bo. Yeah, I ain't mean, messing around. Look, that's a sleeping giant. That's a team we talked about a few weeks ago about how he's going guns to blaze it. Like yes, Wisconsin and Penn State are the two schools. That if they, they have this identity crisis almost of they want to be Ohio State and Michigan. And Luke Fickle's going in there in Wisconsin and saying, hey, we're going to be. And this we're not waiting around. Of, this is the same thing PJ Fleck tried to do a couple of years ago, but Luke Fickle's coming and doing it right. And it's not just him saying the right thing, it's doing the right things. Um, that's a monster. That's just the monster. Be ready. Uh, he's a good coach. That's a good situation. And that's a school that cares about winning. And will give him what he needs to win. Uh, I wouldn't mess around with them. And I I think that was a really great hire at Wisconsin. If if Harbaugh leaves Michigan, Bo, I think we could be talking about Wisconsin taking the mantle as the, the second team in the Big Ten yeah. to Ohio State. Yeah. I think Ohio State just figured out that athlete-wise, they're as good as anybody and that they really are the third best program in the country. Right. And I think Michigan's right behind them. But I do think that you know there's going to be – every conference has it. I mean, at the SEC, it's, it's Alabama and Georgia. And then you've got four or five there that are trying to compete. 
and they and they not gonna they can't do it every year. So it'll be interesting. I but I like what Luke Fickle's doing. He's coming in and he's he's putting in his 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 priorities, who he is as a coach. He's bringing in like-minded people and saying, let's go get the damn thing. Yeah. Let's not try to just be better next year than we were this year. It's let's go do the damn thing. And I think that's admirable. To get to to me, it was it was the work ethic of getting to work right away. He said he hadn't seen his family in a month, wasn't around him for the holidays. That's I mean, that might be a little sketch, but I mean, just the work no. that he put in. He, had, he wanted to come in and see what he got. He's got to evaluate. Yeah. There are other coaches that should have done the same thing. I mean, look, I'm an LSU guy. Should Brian Kelly have done the same thing last year? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, instead they went in with half their scholarship athletes and got blasted in a ball game that meant nothing by Kansas State. Right. You know? So why waste that month? Right. You know, see who you got. And, and I I think that's what Luke Fickle's done. You know, yeah. I, I congratulate yeah. him on going there and being aggressive. One more thing. I'll add one more thing, too, before we uh, move on here. Um, shout out to uh, one of your favorite schools, Tulane, for that win in the Cotton Bowl. Willie Fritz, incredible coaching job. Hell of a game. Um Big win for that program, biggest they've had in school history and in dramatic fashion. But also on the flip side, USC, I was hearing all the folks at SC complain about, oh, man, this team isn't physically tough. They give up too much on defense. I'm like, well, I mean, you've been watching Oklahoma football the last five years. I mean, you get the good with the bad with Lincoln Riley. I mean, I don't think that's going to change. He's got the same D.C. he had at OU. Yeah, so we'll talk about – OU, and then I'll applaud my Tulane Green Wave on the back side. So um, USC, I got a group of friends who, in honor of a friend of ours who went to USC and passed away a few years ago, we all go to a USC game every year. Last year, we went to Notre Dame, USC at Notre Dame. This year, we chose to go to an NFL game instead. We went to Chiefs Chargers. But um, we were talking at the Chiefs Chargers game, a few of us, and I mentioned how on your pod, I actually picked USC to win the Pac-12 and to go to the playoffs. And a couple of the guys says they're going to score a shitload of points, but they're never going to play defense. And sure enough, in the games they lost, and they lost to Art, they lost to Utah, in by by a, by a two point conversion at the end. But the games they lost, they gave up forty points in all of them. I wanted to go to the game against Tulane. I you know I was going to stay at your place. I was going to come down there and go, and then this didn't work out with some of the things I had going, so I didn't go. But I'm watching the game, and I'm thinking, they're not outplaying USC, and USC's not outplaying them. I mean, USC's defense is bad. Wow. Um, Caleb Williams is as good a quarterback as I've seen in college. I mean, he's fantastic. Right. And he had one of the best games that I've seen him play. And they lost, and it's because he said on the sidelines at the end of the game. I mean, simply that Tulane's defense just uh, the the kickoff that ended up being fumbled out of bounds at the one yard line changed right. the game. Yeah, all of a yeah. sudden that non heads up play. I mean, it couldn't have gone worse. Tulane gets safety, gets the kick, has a decent return, and then runs down the field, scores, gets a two point conversion, and now they've got the lead. 
and USC didn't have any chance. Uh, uh, Tulane played great, and I got to give it. Willie Fritz, the head coach of Tulane, was talking about the Georgia Tech. They were flirting. They couldn't get it done in the end. He coaches the game. He wanted to coach the two games uh, before their, their conference championship game and then that game. And that was a big reason why Georgia Tech didn't take him. I think he's realizing he made the right decision. Tulane's yeah. going to take care of him, I think, give him some money. And, um, wow, I mean, just they don't have a lot of great players on that team, but they play hard. They come at you. Their defense is pretty good. And they can score some points. And Willie, really, that, that came the first team in college football history to go from the have a 10 win swing from one year to the next. They were yeah. two and 10 a year ago and ended up being, what was it, thir- uh, 11 and one this year or 12 and one this year? 12 and two. I'm sorry, 12 and two. With wins over the Big 12 champ and the Pac 12 runner up. Yes. Yes. They beat Kansas State at K State. They beat uh, USC, the Pac-12 runner-up. Uh, their two losses, neither of them were at home. They lost oh, yeah, they lost one at home to UCF, who just had, had a bad two, team. Not a bad team. I mean, and they, they, they came out in that game. You see, I watched that game. UCF just came out, run up 21 points really quickly. on, And it was playing from behind was too hard for them. But uh, an incredible job. We talked about how good a job Sonny Dykes has done. He's definitely one of the coaches of the year. It'd be hard for me not, and I again, I'm the Tulane guy, but I, yeah, I'd be hard to not say Willie Fritz. Ten games, a ten game swing at Tulane is pretty cool. Yeah, no one thought they were going twelve and two, and they were going to go to a to a a, a big set to a, a New Year's Six Bowl and win. Right. I mean, this is some Boise State over Oklahoma kind of stuff. Yeah, it was remarkable. Yeah, He's Coach Bo, O'Connor Advisors Group, OHGKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisorsGroup.com. And uh, that is the football fix for this week. Before we go, time for our Tom Fullery story of the week. Bo, I know that when, when you fill in for Tom, we typically ask you some advice questions, but this story I found was too good to pass up. Let's go Bo doesn't it. know what this is. He's going to find out with the rest of us. So uh, I'll go ahead and uh, pull this up. This is from uh, Business Insider. And uh, the story, we're uh, we're going to head to Hooters this week, Bo. Uh-oh. It goes as this. Millennials are less interested in breasts than their elders. People from the, ra- the age of 18 to 24 are 19% less likely to search for breasts on pornographic website Pornhub compared to all other age groups, according to an analytics conduct uh, conducted by the website. For comparison, Pornhub visitors from the ages of 55 to 64 are 17% more likely to search for breast-related content. Millennials' pornography preferences seem to be part of a wider, wider trend. Uh, Sarah Peterson, professor of communications and media, Robert Gordon University, told Playboy at the moment, larger breasts are out, though I'm sure they'll come back. We tend to react to what they went to before. For restaurants like Hooters and Twin Peaks, a loss of interest in breasts is bad for business. The number of Hooters locations in the U.S. has dropped by more than 7% from 2012 to 2016, and sales have stagnated, according to industry reports. 
Part of the Hooter struggles are tied to the sales slump that is hitting most sit-down casual dining chains, but a lack of interest in waitresses' cleavage, especially when there are restaurants like Twin Peaks promising more scandalous experiences elsewhere, likely isn't helping. Hooters has struggled to win over millennials for some time now. In 2012, Chain attempted to revamp its image with updated decor and new menu items and attract more millennial and female customers. Uh, Darren Tristino of Food Industry Consulting Company uh, told Time in 2012 for years they've only been working toward Generation X, but now they need to try to get millennials to come into the doors. In light of the decline of breast influence in America, it comes at no surprise that Hooters uh, has been emphasizing, uh, as my computer messed up here, um, <laughs> uh, let's see here, and uh, anyways, okay, so my computer cut off the article, great, yeah. let's see, anyways, uh, so basically how the rest of the story goes, what it was leading into was that there was a uh, online hoax that Hooters was going to rebrand uh, because of the less interest in Hooters. Ultimately, obviously, they're not doing that, but trying to find alternatives of some sorts because the studies show the millennials are not as interested in breasts. Uh, Bo, are you uh, are you buying this? Um, yeah, there's a lot of problems. When was the last time you went to a Hooters? Uh, it was like sometime over the summer. Okay. I haven't been to a Hooters in a few years. Now. It's been at least three or four years. Okay. Um, prior to COVID, I would say it's probably the last time I went to a Hooters. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I see that, you know, the young people don't are not into this as much as, you know, my gener- my generation. I mean, if you want to say that. Yeah. Um, there's places that are better, like there are areas. If you, I'm sure you've been to um, Twin, Peaks. Oh, Twin Peaks. Yeah, you've been to Twin Peaks. Oh, yeah. Much better food. Yep. The the women are, more, I think, more attractive. Um, and then uh, there's also Tilted Kilt, which I only have seen in a couple of places. I went to one of those in Chicago a few years ago. It's a little different situation there too. Um, no, I think it's just the. Um, Hooters is a brand. Yeah, it's not. I think a lot of it also is, I don't want to call it straight up cancel culture, but there's some things that aren't really acceptable as they were a number of years ago. I think that's part of it. Yeah. I mean, you can't really, I mean, it was a little more acceptable a few years ago to oogle at a woman with, who may have large breasts. and But that's not a, and I'm not saying that's right or fair or good. It's not, but I think it was a little more socially acceptable to make jokes about that and to say, hey, check out this, you know, that kind of thing. And that Hooters took advantage of that. But it, it's, um, I don't know, when I think of Hooters now, I'll tell you what I think of. Have you ever seen the movie, um, oh, God damn it, what's it called now? Um, oh, God, I can't even brought a blank on this. Um, it was with Luke Wilson where he goes into the future um, it's a one oh, word. I know what you're talking about. What what is that movie? Let me see here. Let me see if I can come up with it. I am so sorry. As we look this up in real time here. Yeah, that's that's great. It's, it's great podcasting to have a time where everybody's <laughs> like, um, 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 idiocracy. 
Idiocracy is exactly the one I'm thinking of. Hooters reminds me of something that would have been around still during Idiocracy. Yeah. You know, it's like how Starbucks becomes completely different in Idiocracy. Folks, if you don't know what we're talking about, go do yourself a favor and watch Idiocracy. It's hilarious. Um, Starbucks basically becomes a um, a chain of uh, gentlemen's establishments, probably the best way to put it. Okay. They have a particular brand there, if you will. Yeah. Um, that's what it kind of Hooters kind of reminds me of. It's like post-apocalyptic in a way. The last time I went into a Hooters, like I said, about three years ago, but I never hear of anybody say, hey, let's go to Hooters. Now, when I was younger, when I was your age, that was a spot you went to. Yeah. Nobody really goes there now. When was the last time you were excited to go to a Hooters? Uh, probably like when I was in college. Like, yeah. Like if you're college age, or sophomore year. We, we took my kiddo there when he was like a freshman in high school. Because, you know, those kids, it was like, to them, that was something, you know? I actually took your son there one time. Uh, I and can he see that. decided to go. Yeah. <laughs> and that's because, you know, he was he was probably in high school at the time, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, I think he was 18 or 19, yeah. 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 Was that was that when we were calling games? It was. Uh, we, we had called a game, and uh, you wanted to, like, go Uber drive, and we wanted to go eat. And, uh yeah. And I and we wanted some wings, and that was the closest thing by. So if you if you got him near one, he'll go. But that's what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, but to go back to the original point of you know, it's not his search the thing on the on Pornhub or on different porn sites. I can believe that too. It, it's. I think a lot of the stuff now is because like, uh, there is so much. Oh God, this is, I don't know if I can go into all this, but um, there's so much that's more socially acceptable yeah. in this yeah. current younger generation that really wasn't socially acceptable when I was that age. Yeah. Like, you know, here in Lawrence, every so often I Uber drive and I take the college kids around. I have a great time doing it. It's a great little bit of extra money. I hear some of these conversations. Right. And... Guys, these some, some of the things they say are not things we talked about when I was that same age, twenty years old, which was twenty years ago, right? You know, so I mean, twenty-five years ago. So yeah, I mean, it's just a different animal and it's a different thing. And yeah, I mean, to each their own. Everybody's in the sun. Like everybody's in the sun, right? Like, you know, the uh, the thing I think of too in uh, in that regard is that. There's so many different options now of sorts of, you know, whether it's, you know, you don't, there was a point in time where you needed to go to an establishment of that sorts if you wanted to see yes. something. And now, yes. like, you got these people buying, you know, an OnlyFans account or whatever it may be, or, uh, you know, like, what's the last time somebody actually, you know, paid for a magazine. I remember Playboy at one point, like, stopped doing nudity because nobody was buying the magazines anymore. I mean, yeah. it's just something that people don't need to do publicly. They can have their entertainment, their pleasure, if you want to call that that, in their own home, you know? So Yeah, I mean, and now, like, I, it comes to, like, things that are readily available. I mean, you can get stuff on your phone. You can get stuff. I mean, it, it's amazing. 
I can remember being a teenager and to see things you had to like look between the lines on the screen on Cinemax late at night. Yeah. Like your parents didn't have Cinemax. Maybe you would get lucky and see something. They don't have that anymore. You can right. have a I was talking to a friend of mine over the, over the holidays and we were talking and I said, uh, she has a 13 year old son. And I said, oh, you know that he knows things. She goes, oh yeah. Says it's unbelievable. And I said, he's got a phone. She goes, yeah. I said, guarantee it's on the phone. Guarantee it. So here's who that, that crowd is still for. And I have a very good story to end today. Okay. With. Let's hear it. Um, and I, I, I know he's not listening right now, so I'll, I'll go ahead and embarrass him and, and say this. Um, the day after Christmas, uh, I get a phone call from front of the show, David Starr. And okay. uh, David uh, was inviting me to his uh, family Christmas party that night before. Just give me the details, whatever. And I just asked him what he had been up to. And, you know, did he have a good Christmas? He said, yeah, yeah, everything was good. And he said, I just got done... Uh, uh, at an event at uh, Twin Peaks in uh, Fort Worth. I said, oh, really? I said, what, what were you doing there? He said, well, one of my friends, he, uh, he is the GM of this new location. They're having their grand opening, and they're sponsoring the racing school and uh, asked me to bring a race car down there. And I said, oh, that's very cool. He's like, oh, yeah, I love it. He's like, man, I'll I tell you what, Tyler, I, there's so many good-looking women. I was so distracted. I couldn't stay focused. I mean, like, he's like, I was just like, wow, you know? And, <laughs> I'm just dying laughing here at this from David. And David, you know, he's he's like 56, 55, 56 years old. And uh, he's not great with technology. So I know he's not, you know, just looking up good looking women online or whatever or yeah. you know, something like that, you know. So, uh, but anyways, David goes on to tell me, he's like, yeah, they want me to have these, you know, work meetings and all that there. But, I, I just can't do that. I'd just be so distracted. I couldn't focus on my meetings, you know, like all these good looking women going by. I can't focus. And uh, he's like, my wife probably wouldn't want me, wouldn't want to hear that, but it's true, you know. And I said, uh, well, if they're sponsoring the 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 racing school, I probably want to sponsor the podcast. Maybe we we'll do a live show there. And he's like, yeah, we could probably do that. That'd be that'd be a good idea. But I don't even know if I can sit through a lot of podcasts with just all the good looking women being distracted by all that. And I said, man, uh and, and so like, you know, my idea of, you know, I'm gonna go see attractive women, whatever, not that there aren't attractive women at, at Hooters or Twin Pigs, not saying that at all. Sure. But my first frame of thought is not to go to there personally. But somebody like David or somebody this older age, like, yeah, we're gonna, we're, we're we're gonna do some, you know, have a good meal and go to Hooters or Twin Peaks, you know that that's yeah. a different generational mindset. It, it definitely is. Yeah, it's a definitely the mindset of, and I'm toward the tail end of that mindset. I mean, I'm in my late forties, so it's, yeah, um, yeah. The, to me, isn't that big a deal? But yeah, well, I got friends that are my age that when we were younger loved it, and then. Even now, they're like, "Oh well, yeah, you know," or they'll make, or they'll say, "Oh, you're going to the Twin Peaks," you know. Like, um, my son and I were in Phoenix a couple of years ago at a football game, and you know, you know Peyton. I was like, yeah. "I'm gonna take Peyton to Twin Peaks." So I'm at Twin Peaks for lunch one day, and yeah. he's just like, "Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god!" He was probably 17 or 18 at the time. Yeah, and I'm like, "All right, calm down, calm down, big guy. You know, <laughs> it's gonna be okay." 
you know, but that's not like my first thing. When I hey, when I think of Twin Peaks, I don't think of girls in those those skirts and the push-up bras. I think of how really, really good that bacon is. Yeah. You know? We went to Twin Peaks from time to time in college, and it wasn't necessarily even about the views or the food. Maybe I shouldn't say this, but I'll say it anyway. Uh we didn't have fake IDs and they didn't ID us. <laughs> that's why we went to Twin Peaks. <laughs> oh, I, I can see that too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. But uh yeah, it's a ever involving times. Uh, Everybody, yeah. I think Big Cat said this a while back. Uh I, I think I'm quoting the right person here, but uh when someone asks you, Bo, are you a boobs man or an ass man? You know what the correct answer is? Your brain's yes. a brain's. I just say yes, <laughs> or or say both. <laughs> both, uh, yeah. Both. Yeah. If now if you get asked by a woman, maybe who's interested in you, if you like one or the other, the answer is always whichever one she has. Right. And if there's neither, you just say, you know, that's not important to me. I just want to get to know someone deep down on the inside. Yes. <laughs> someone with a great personality. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the great. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, fun show today. Uh, considering that we were all this, we had a serious discussion in the beginning and yeah. we're able to, you know, have, you know, shine some light here towards the end and covered so much today big thanks to uh david alexander for joining us as well you the listener for stopping by as always uh you can follow us on social media facebook.com slash tyler jones live uh facebook.com slash studio soapbox twitter at tyler jones lives twitter at studio underscore soapbox instagram uh tyler jones live and jones underscore report is uh, where you can find us there uh but any more uh, final thoughts before we uh, sign off here Hey, we'll be getting the Coach Bono's podcast be back this weekend. We'll be back. Uh, we're recording on Friday, so it'll be myself and Ellen. We've taken about a week and a half off since Christmas, so uh, about two weeks off now. So it's a lot to catch up on. I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about DeMar Hamlin, and we're going to talk about all the stuff that's happening in sports across the board. Uh, just interesting times. Don't forget to check out the Coach Bono's podcast. Yes, absolutely. Bo, thanks for stepping in for Tom. Tom, uh, we're thinking of you. Hope to have you back here next week, bud. And uh, we will see you guys then. So, uh, for Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor, Thomas Bridges, uh, David Alexander, our entire crew, I'm Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. This has been another edition of Jones Sport. We'll see you next week.